0: want your fucking help? You don't want to kill yourself, and you don't know what I want. Look, man, I've been through rough times. Like too, what, man. your jacuzzi, bro? You know you forget there's always another way out. Like what? Like letting someone help you. And why in the fuck would you want to help me, man? You know something? Because I'm doing well now. Life has been good to me. I saw you and thought it's a chance for me to make a difference to someone who could use a break. You know what? Why don't you save that shit for somebody who gives a fuck? Look, man. I mean, you're young. You know, you're healthy. You seem intelligent. Why would you want to kill yourself? Maybe I like the idea of choosing when I die instead of having somebody else choose for me. I mean, don't you have family, people who care about you? Look, like I had a wife and a kid, and they're dead, all right? Isn't there anyone else, you know, who'd miss you if No, gone? no! You know, I find that hard to believe! Man, look, maybe you don't understand this. I don't want anybody to care about me. I don't want to be responsible for anybody else's feelings, all right? I'm through with this shit. Hey, let me ask you something. If someone offered you a good job, something that would be a real opportunity for you, would you be interested? No. OK. Well, if you ever want to look me up, I'm down at the 7th Street Mission every Thursday. Yo, hold up, man. What kind of job are you talking about? My business partner and I. And we need someone to help us as a uh, survival guide with our hunts out in the wilderness. I don't know shit about the wilderness. With my recommendation, you'll have a decent chance of getting the job. The pay's good. Hey, what kind of pay you talking about? How much money exactly, man? Look, just go down there. Talk to this man. His name's Burns. You'll find out everything you need to know.
1: Hello to all of our
2: listeners and welcome to the first 2024 episode of the Film Effect podcast, bringing you deep dives, top fives, and good vibes with each and every episode, all of course, for the Film Effect archives. Now, what we're dealing with today is a mid-90s action extravaganza featuring a monumental cast that's so massive, you're going to want to pinch yourself to see if it's real. Guys and gals, I assure you, you've never witnessed more fun on a ride quite like this. I'm Ed. I'm Justin. And this is Surviving the Game.
0: Why would you want to kill yourself? Maybe I like the idea of choosing when I die instead of having somebody else choose for me. If someone offered you a good job, would you be interested? What kind of job are you talking about? We need someone to help us with
1: our hunts out in the
3: wilderness. Are you sure about
1: this one? I'm sure. Has he got courage? Gentlemen, I would like you to meet our new hunting guide, Mason.
3: Here's a toast to the hunters and a prayer for the hunted. <laughs> <laughs> the hunt begins now. Get
1: let gotta let me get the door for you. Go, go, go. We're not really going to hunt him, are we? He's nothing. He's less than nothing.
2: You're mine, Mason!
1: do not take any part in this. I want you! Thank you. Thank you. If you make it to civilization, you live. If you don't, Ah! maybe God will have mercy. I think he's gone back to the cabin. None of them has ever done that before. This (laughs) delay, What's that smell? Everybody out of the cabin! I like not
0: being rare. Ah! Truck well done, bitch. Jack Mason knows he's going to die someday. Damn, I wish I'd never started smoking. But today, he's not in the mood. This is where it gets
3: interesting. Never underestimate... Come on, Mason! ...a man who has nothing to lose. Rutger Hauer. Charles
0: Dutton. Gary Busey. F. Marie Abraham. William McNamara. And Ice-T. Surviving the Game. Directed by Ernest Dickerson.
2: In Surviving the Game, a homeless man is hired as a survival guide for a group of wealthy businessmen on a hunting trip in the mountains, unaware that they are killers who hunt humans for sport and he is their new prey. So here we go. Surviving the Game, which is another adaptation of the classic 1924 Richard Connell short story The Most Dangerous Game, is the textbook definition of having fun watching a movie. Like I mentioned in our chat, I was watching my Shot Factory Blu-ray about a month ago or so and I was thinking about how we haven't done an episode on this yet, knowing how much I've always loved this movie, personally. It's this and this is your first time with this movie which makes things even better. I know I've been obnoxiously telling everyone from the group to watch this movie. Originally, I had hoped everyone would have come on but here we are. Now, as per the case with us, we always hold our thoughts and opinions until recording. That said, it is time. Starting with first time viewings. Oh my goodness, I remember we the first like time Flint I saw that eye. picture. I thought it was just wonderful. So Justin, this is your first time, so we know about that.
4: <laughs> yeah.
2: For me, I, I rented this back when it first came out. It had to have been like the first year or so after it came out on video. Um, I rented it from Drug City down in Dundalk. Uh, I remember watching this in my uncle's room one night. I just this was around the time when um, my uncle was still me and my uncle went ten years apart, so he was still living with my grandparents at the time, and he uh, rented. um I, I was I was renting a lot of films on the weekends, hanging out in his room and shit. So this was like I said, I remember clear as day renting this off the wall, and because I it was just. I never heard of it I never it's not like a film that like caught my attention based off of ads this was just a film that I nearly just picked off the wall I saw the cover I knew Rucker Howard, and all them people were in the film even when I first saw this I knew how big the cast was and I looked at the back read the plot and I'm like no this sounds like it's going to be a fun as shit movie so I just you know lo and behold here we are so yeah that was my first time you obviously just this past week or so so uh before we get into the thick of things let's talk numbers in the form of box office receipts
4: get receipts
2: the film was released on april fifteenth, nineteen 1994 from new line cinema opened up across 1025 screens coming in sixth place 2.9 million dollars second weekend dropped off 49.3 percent that's the norm 1.4 million 13th place total gross 7.7 7.7 million dollars against a 7 million dollar budget so it didn't didn't pull in too much money for bob shea but you know it it yeah they lost some money but i'm sure it made it all back in run in home video sales as a lot of films did back in around this time because video store that, that revenue used to be big in the video store chain and like once that went away like they pretty much depend now on theaters and theaters only
4: I wonder about this one, though, because it, it, this is like a movie that never really, like, caught on in the bigger, like, you know, film lover culture. Like, this is a movie, people, you never hear anybody talk about this movie. So I wonder even if video rentals were that strong for it. It's just a movie that... Probably not. And I remember when it came out, seeing the ads for it and just being completely uninterested. Um looking at the cast now I'm like man that's a really good cast but at the time it was like they were guys that had like one or two good things under their belt maybe ten you know eight to ten years earlier so I wasn't super excited for the cast um I, I won't it's go into too much detail people who won't appreciate
2: now. it until years later
4: I exactly. think what it was exactly yeah it's definitely a movie that I don't by any means want to suggest it was ahead of its time
2: but no, it's because these actors are all on their downfall in their careers; they had already peaked <laughs> right. it a decade earlier.
4: Right? Yeah. So that's why at the time it really didn't drum up a lot of excitement in, in that regard. But um, well, I'll get into it. But yeah, just at the time, it, 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 I think everybody was just sort of underwhelmed by the whole thing, and that showed in the the box office receipts.
2: I mean there's no marketing for this movie. I don't well, remember seeing remember a single TV spot or anything. I never no. I don't recall seeing tra- any trailers before any, you know, videos that I rented from New Line, nothing like that. I mean, look at the theater count. It only opened it barely crossed a thousand screens.
4: I was you aware know? of this movie though. Like I remember you okay. had to have seen commercials and trailers for it because I it wasn't like something that just I saw at a video store one day and was like, "Oh, I've never heard of this." Like I I remember just seeing commercials and not being interested. It it looked like something that would have gone straight to the video, but it it did get a theatrical run.
2: All right. Well, before we talk about the film itself, let's do our pre-dive top five.
4: Rob, it's your turn.
1: Okay. I'm feeling kind of basic today. Top five side ones, track ones. Janie Jones, Clash, from The Clash. Yeah. Let's get it on, Marvin Gaye from Let's Get It On. Nirvana, smells like teen spirit off of Nevermind. Oh no, Rob, that's not obvious enough, not at all. How about uh, Point of No Return on Point of No Return? Lewis, so you can uh, get up <laughs> a- Shut up, shut <laughs> up. White Light, White Heat, Velvet Underground. Okay, that would be on my list. Though not and on massive mine. Massive Attack, no protection. The song is Radiation. And like I said at the radiation.
2: top, this was an adaptation of The Most Dangerous Game an often adapted uh, short story. That being said, let's do our top five favorite adaptations of the most dangerous game. I'm going to let you kick this one off.
4: Okay. Um. And I don't have any honorable mentions. Um, I thought this was going to be re- really tough. I'm like, are there five of these type movies that I even have seen, much less liked? Um, turns out there are. But, but
2: There's some loose adaptations, too, that I exactly, included, uh, yeah, and I'll mention them.
4: On, yeah, they're not straight. It just takes that basic hunting humans for sport idea. Um, and oddly enough, I've never seen an, ad- that, an actual adaptation of the most dangerous game itself. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, I've read the short story, but I've never seen an actual movie based on it directly. But um, so my number five is Battle Royale. Um it's a movie i don't love as much as most people seem to um i kind of wish i loved it the way some people do but it's good enough it's entertaining enough um i haven't watched it in a long time so i don't remember exactly why i'm not 100 percent on board with it but i just i've seen it a couple times at least two times maybe three um and i've just never you know just never fallen in love with it but it's it's a good movie and worth a watch. It's interesting.
2: Alright, my number five is The Hunt, a film that came out a few years back during the pandemic. That was actually one of the films I got pushed back due to a, a, a rigmarole of things between gun violence and, and then the pandemic happened and it got pushed back all in all like a year and a half or so. But it finally came out and um, I wasn't mad at it. It wasn't the best film, the film in the world, but it, it, it's you know kind of like you um i thought this is gonna be harder as well um but the hunt you know i i enjoyed there's some things that i liked about it some things that i didn't i really like the fact that the core cast of like the biggest names in the film were like spoiler alert killed off like as soon as you met them in like surprising fashion but um yeah i had fun with it you know i've seen it a couple times since it came out but uh yeah, I mean, it's enough for me to make it my top, my top five at number five, so, yeah, The Hunt.
4: Yeah, when I thought I was going to have a harder time with this, there was a couple that I, I pulled up a couple lists, and like, or at least, I think, two lists, and on the second list is where I saw a couple that I was like, oh, I didn't even really... Th-. They seem obvious, but I was like, oh, I didn't even think of those, so um, right. I was going to throw The Hunt on my list, my top five originally, so I guess I could I could make that an honorable mention. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not a great movie, but... Um, fun enough. Um, and it tries to have some political overtones, which were somewhat interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel the same way as you. I wasn't mad at it. Um, but my number four is The Running Man. Um, and this is one that I, I, it seems obvious now, but I didn't think of it right, like right off the bat. But yeah, The Running Man's a, a fun movie. Um, I I don't love it now as much as I did when I was like 14 or 15 however old i was when i first saw it uh i saw it at north point movies um i think maybe more than once i really liked it when it first came out Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's a little dated and and corny now when you watch it but it's still a fun movie
2: funny enough my number four is also the running man there you go um a film that i haven't seen in a while actually but i've always liked I just actually bought it a few months ago because uh, Paramount put out this uh, really nice 4K co- uh, steelbook with a slipcover but uh, it's one of those things that I bought just because I just spontaneously buy things especially when it comes to new releases and I just it's sitting in my collection and I have to watch it so I should make a note to do that soon <laughs> but yeah number 4 The Running Man like I said I've always liked The Running Man I've always had fun with it um, just like you said it's dated I remember it being dated. It was dated when I first saw it in the late night, the late eighties. <laughs> but you know, it's it's still a fun, fun, a fun film.
4: Yeah. Uh so mine number number three, right? Yeah, number three. Um, another Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from that era, Predator. Um, which again, okay. Was a, okay. <laughs> so is this is this stretching it because this was on a no, list? No, it's that not I said.
2: at all. Go on, it's out. go on.
4: Yeah, no, because again, it wasn't one that immediately leapt to mind, and then I thought about it, I'm like, well, yeah, I guess it is. Uh, you know, a hunter hunting humans uh, falls under that rubric. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't need to say anything about Predator. Everybody's seen Predator, so um, you know what a fun movie it is.
2: Yeah, uh, Predator is definitely a film that we have to cover. We have yet to cover. But the reason I said that is because my number three is Predators, which
5: <laughs> it's
2: literally the same concept as the yeah, first film. But it's it's the, the, the idea it's is that. they're hunting humans on their planet. So, yeah, I, I, I had to put that on there. That's, that's it, definitely a movie I've always had fun with. And also a film that's commonly mistakenly mistaken as a Robert Rodriguez film, but he only right. wrote the screenplay and produced it. He didn't direct right. it. Um, yeah uh N- and, and, Nim- and, yeah because someone that's his name directed it
4: because predators almost two movies in one you get that whole commando thing at the beginning um mm-hmm. and then it turns into a hunter movie but predators is just it's just the hunting thing from start to finish right
2: right with a bunch of who's who from like all around the world of actors yeah with a adrian brody is your your lead actor in right. that movie
4: I've seen that. It, actually, not all that long ago, but I don't remember if I like it or not. Like, I need to watch it again. I I think I didn't hate it, but I probably would have remembered if I hate it, uh, hated it, but I, I don't remember much about it.
2: That movie had no business being as good as it was. Let's yeah. Let's put it that way. It's a good film. It's, it's fun. It's worthy of a Predator sequel. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the number three, though.
4: Uh, my number two and I guess um, spoiler alert um, if you're wondering whether or not I liked the movie, uh, my number two is Surviving the Game.
2: Nice, nice. Alright, reasons we're going to get into, right? Reasons
4: we're get into. Uh,
2: my number two, this is what we're going to break off here. Um, Ready or Not a film that Jocelyn always says that I has always claim that I do not like, but I, I swear I do like the movie. Um, in fact, that I have rewatched it recently and uh, just just kind of further confirms the fact that I am a fan of the film. Um little fun horror survival romp with uh, a, a bunch of, um, bunch of people, a bunch of faces. Annie McDowell's in that movie. Um, people I can't name off the top of my head for some reason right now. But yeah, he has a lot of people in the movie. It's a good film, though. It's fun. Anyway, uh, that's my number two. Now we're at number one.
4: I did not like that movie, so Jocelyn can say that I always said I didn't like it because I didn't like that movie. I was ready to like that Sean movie. Sean
2: didn't like I, it either.
4: Yeah, I don't I don't remember why. I just remember I And I remember I really didn't like it. So I might have to watch it again just to see what I hated so much about it. But um, it is not my number one, needless to say. My number one <laughs> is a movie, uh, an Australian movie called Turkey Shoot. A.K.A. Escape 2000. A.K.A. Mm-hmm. A.K.A. Uh, is it blood blood camp thatcher i think i think something
2: like that i had a thing you're gonna have this on the list i swear
4: yeah i love this movie it's a movie that the first time i saw it i was like that was cool but it could have been cooler and the more i watch Mm. it in fact i watched it after i watched this it put me in the mood after i watched this i I put put this i put a turkey shoot in the next day um and just loved it more than any other time I watch it. it just gets more fun each time. It's, uh, you know, it's a late seventies exploitation movie, um, directed by Brian Trenchard Smith. Um, some people mm-hmm. might recognize that name, um, score by Brian May who's one of my favorite composers did the, the bad first film. two Mad Max movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just a lot of fun. Uh, Livia Hussey from black Christmas and, uh, Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet is in it. Oh, that's uh, right.
2: Steve, in that.
4: Yeah, Steve Rails back from uh, The Stuntman. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's like a, a dystopian fascist government keeps people in this, you know, re- sends people to re education camps. And at this one re education camp, the, the guy who runs it has some of his not, you know, his rich well-connected friends come and they grab a handful of prisoners and, and hunt them. It's, and there's a guy who's like looks like a werewolf is involved in one part. It's just, it's fucking awesome. Like, like, I highly recommend it if you've never seen it. It's, it's a pretty bonkers movie. Uh
2: Yes. Um, Number one. of the game. We'll get there into it. Get the film effect breakdown. Hello again, friends. This is the Film Effect Podcast.
4: Good morning, film Effect. That's it. Mm-hmm. That, that's the end of the game, right there. That's World War Three. Fucking hot recording right
1: now. I literally never wanted a punch Moody in its face more than I had last night.
4: Definitely worth your time. It's it's definitely worth revisiting. Fifteen
2: minutes in, I'm like, uh Dorothy, we're not in Oakland anymore. Some 4K, buddy. Check it out. So
6: let's get down to the nitty gritty.
2: All right. So we got Ice-T on this film starring Ice-T, mad, as Mason, Jack Mason, homeless man that these ruthless sons of bitches are going to be hunting throughout the, our, our picture. What do you think of Ice-T in this movie? One of his first lead, act, actually, this is his first lead role, unless you want to consider Trespass one of the top building. I don't know. What do you think?
4: He wasn't top billing for New Jack City.
2: No, that was uh, that was Wesley Snipes, wasn't it?
4: I, I, I don't know. He could have been, but I, yeah, that was more of an on, on. Well, this is sort of an ensemble too. I don't know, whatever. But um <laughs> he's not good. He's not. I, you know, I don't know. Ice T. I I know him from like all the stuff he did in the late '80s and early '90s. Um I've never watched SVU or whatever one of those shows that he's on. So he might be spectacular on there. I don't know. I just know that every movie I've ever seen him in, he's not very good. Uh, I like him as a rapper; he's just not a very good actor. And I'll get into it more probably as we go through, but especially at the end, pros and cons, all that sort of stuff. I think he's the weak link in the movie.
2: Yeah, I think he's fine. He's never blown me away. I can always tell he's acting, and (laughs) he's forcing, you know, some of the shit, especially in all the stuff in the beginning. Um, because everything like pre-hunting trip, there's like it's like a different movie, um, and not a good one. It's kind of like <laughs> let's get to the forest. You know what I'm saying? Um,
4: yeah, yeah. I, I spent the first couple minutes laughing at the movie. I was like, well, at least you know, um, I'll have a schlocky good time with this. Uh, you know, I was finding it funny at first. Like his his dog gets hit by the taxi. And there's a crowd of people standing around, and like there's a mother with like a six or seven year old kid, like just front and center, just sitting there watching. It's like, wouldn't you pull your kid away from that scene? It was right, kind of right, funny. right. they right. Were just like, they were just right there watching the whole thing. So yeah, I was I was laughing at these first few minutes when they're establishing Ice T's character.
2: Cause it's like a buddy comedy with uh, him and Jeff Corey, <laughs> fucking Tom Cheney from the original True Great. Just hanging out. His, little, his old buddy, fucking marine buddy.
4: Even the music at times is like silly at Dude, the beginning.
2: we're going to get into the music. We're <laughs> going to get into the music, man. The score in this fucking thing, we're going to get to it. Oh, man. So our cast of Hunters are uh, led by Rucker Hauer in uh, one of his last starring roles before he went to, like, direct-to-video land. Yeah. like what well, I should say, like, one of his last theatrical roles at that before, like... His little resurgence in the mid-aughts. but uh, Charles S. Dutton as his partner in crime Cole, he's the guy who recruits Ice T in the beginning, uh, acting as like a, a feeding the homeless kind, kind of guy uh, from like, the shelter committee. Um, he seems super nice, you
4: know, super
2: tight. nice dude. Does a great <laughs> job of fucking phoning it in as like this, you know, overly nice. You know, I'm only here to help you. You know, brother to brother type thing. <laughs> Super nice until well we'll get to that. Gary Busey. Fucking Doc Doc Hawkins. Um So much to say about this character, so much to say about Gary Busey. Let's just for now say this has as it's a film with Gary Busey. <laughs> F. Murray Abraham is Derek Wolf Senior, Wall Street executive. Um he has his moments in this movie. I'd say of the core hunters, he's like the weak link. But it's F. Murray Abraham for fuck's sake, you know. Actually, no, I take that back. Unless you want to include his son, William McNamara. Oh, yeah. Excuse me, William McNamara. His uh, he's not good.
4: He. I was going to say he and I said Ice T's the weak link. He. I don't know, McNamara man. And I, I think are the I, weak
2: links. I think McNamara is like. Ooh. There's some shit in this movie, man. We'll yeah. get to it as we get along. He's
4: bad and he's miscast. He shouldn't even have been in the movie. So, like... But we'll get into that, too.
2: Yeah. I, I have some reasons as to why he was in this movie, which, uh Yeah. We'll get into it. And then John C. McKinley. Everything this man touched in the 90s was gold. Like, <laughs> this guy was on a run. Before, like, he hit Scrubs fame this dude popped up and shit like this point break the rock and every time he would show up it was always like he would bring this intensity and he in this film is no different and i i love some of the shit he does he's so close he's like neck and neck with another person for mvp of this movie he's <laughs> he's up there i love his intensity so much and that's pretty much it that's you know this this film does not fuck around You know, we center on Ice-T and the old man for, like, 15 minutes, if that, and then we get to the woods and play the game. So, um, let's get to the production history, talk about how the film, where it came from and all that. So, the film was based on Richard Connolly's commonly adapted short story, The Most Dangerous Game, from 1924, celebrating the short story's 100th anniversary on top of this film's 30th anniversary. The story was first published in Collier's magazine. Director Ernest Dickerson, that's right, he's the director of this film. We haven't acknowledged that yet. It's directed by Ernest Dickerson. Um, signed on the direct after having a career primarily as Spike Lee's DP. He is. Uh, he was his personal director of photography for a little while. This is Dickerson's sophomores feature as a director, having both wrote and directed the Omar Epps and Tupac Shakur feature Juice a year prior. Ice T was becoming a respected actor at the time, having roles in New Jack City, Ricochet, and the recently mentioned Trespass CR, Judgment Night episode for further elaboration on that. Intending on continuing his acting career, he signed on to star in the action flick opposite Ruckner Hauer in one of his final big screen roles before, like I said, going to direct to video land, before coming back in the mid aught, starting with Nolan's Batman Begins. Gary Busey signed on as a mere cameo, intended on being the first hunter who was killed off early on in the film. Screenwriter Eric Burnt later expressed regret about killing him off so early. He also said that given the chance, he'd go back and change things, such as killing off F. Murray Abraham's Wolf Sr. first and having Gary Busey's Hawkins take over as the role of a father figure to his son, Wolf Jr. Can you imagine Gary Busey running around trying to fucking be like this fucking guy's father figure for the rest of the movie
4: well and that's where it looks like not not the father figure part but it looks like F. Mary, F. Mary Abraham is going to be the first one killed off because if, and, yeah the know, whole
2: fallen beam and shit and, and the, the fire noise. yeah, yeah. Looked,
4: I was like oh man they're killing him off pretty early and it ended up not working out that way so um, yeah it's it's interesting to hear that that the screenwriter voiced that regret because that's one of the not, it's not a negative I think it actually makes the movie stronger um, that Busey's character gets killed off so early, but also loving that character, I'm like, fuck! I kind of wish he yeah, stuck around for a while. But it, but it, it it makes sense for the story. It d- it doesn't bother me at all. It's a good it's a good choice story wise. Um, but it's you know you greedily want more of that character.
2: And shot entirely on location in Washington State. No sets or sound stages were used during production. The outdoor scenes were supposed to take place across the Oregon border in the U.S. Northwest. However, they were filmed in the locations of Indyat and Wenatchee, Lake Wenatchee, and Wenatchee National Forest are also featured in the film. While staring in Wenatchee, Washington, in September 1993 during the shooting of this film, F. Mary Abraham was injured in a car crash, suffering a fractured wrist bruised ribs and facial lacerations after he was struck by Guy E. Kensenberg of Fall City, who was driving drunk. Abraham's che- Chevrolet Lumina was wrecked, though he recovered, but Katzenberg was killed. And finally, the film was released. It's It's worth noting that the film was released just eight months after Hard Target, which sports a similar plot about homeless people being hunted for sport. I've never seen Hard Target. That's why it was not on my or even mentioned. I was my top wondering. Live. Yeah, I,
4: see, I thought you would have it on your list. I figured you had seen it and would have it on your list. Yeah, I, that that might be another reason why I wasn't so psyched for this movie because I did see Hard Target and I didn't like it. So okay, I might have just been like, yeah. I was about to been...
2: ask you what your thoughts of Hard Target were.
4: Yeah, I I don't love John Woo. I uh, let me let me rephrase that. I love John Woo's Chinese movies. I don't love his American movies, and that includes Face Off. Face Off's the best of his American movies, um, and I like it, but I don't love it.
2: I love Face Off, and I think I don't know. I mean, it's a film that I've you know I saw in theater. Me and Corey actually saw that in theaters with his mother. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've always loved it. I've always had a fun time with that movie. I mean, it's fun watching. I, I just you know picked up the Kino Lorber 4K and was watching it couple weeks ago and having a good laugh at like the obvious stuntmen that are in that movie <laughs> that are trying to look like travolta and cage but look nothing like them the scene when the and the at the end when the the, the, the boat, boat wreck happens yeah. <laughs> the stuntmen that are flying are like holy
4: shit it's almost like i'm gonna get you, sucker where it's like they obviously it's right. like somebody right. else
2: or the guy who does the, the motorcycle jump or whatever in T two, like a shadow Schwarzenegger, yeah, right. there's nothing like him.
4: <laughs> it's like oh, they slapped man. a shitty latex Schwarzenegger mask on somebody's yeah. face. It just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't look real.
2: Oh, that's funny as shit. All right, let's get to the film discussion. So we got opening credits intercut between Ice T's Mason, who's scrounging for food from the dumpster because he's homeless, guys and an unknown man being hunted in the wilderness. The credits end as the man is shot and killed with an arrow while Mason's dog, Bingo, is hit and killed, running out into traffic. Meanwhile, Charles S. Dutton's wild, uh, Cole watches Mason as he carries his dead dog away from the scene. And... I just noted here that there's so much blood all over this taxi's grill <laughs> yeah. from this dog being hit. Like, how fast was this fucking taxi going? Like, the dog exploded all over the front of his That's, car. That's what I mean. It was like
4: it was like a gore scene, and that mother's just standing there with her kid. It's like, get the fucking right. kid out of there, man! What are you doing? <laughs> but the thing I, that I noted in this scene, and it's again, it, it, this isn't so much on Ice tea because this is more of a, a script thing. But it's like they set his character up. Uh, I, I I thought he was going to end up being like an ex like uh, you know special ops guy who had all these <laughs> yeah, like survival X-CIA skills CIA or something right he's got right because like, like the guy wants to fight him and he, he's like Kane from Kung Fu he's like he's like he doesn't want to fight and the guy throws a punch and he like like expertly dodges it I was like oh they're setting this up where he's like a reluctant warrior kind of thing. And no, he was just like a real poor guy who ended up, (laughs) he he was like always one step away from being a bum and like ended up being a bum. So it was like, I was like, oh, like that, the whole character for being the protagonist is just, it's written weird, like Ice-T just shouldn't have been the guy. He just doesn't have the chops. Um, So that that does bring the movie down a little bit.
2: I don't think it's a case of it being written weird. I think it's the portrayal. Because he's just an average Joe. He's not supposed to be like this, you know, ex-ops and shit. He's, he's just a, a regular guy down on his luck, and he happens to run into Charles S. Dutton who makes his luck even fucking worse.
4: Right, and he um, sh- so he, in that scene, and again, I don't think this is Ice-T's like, fault, he should have, like... Gotten his ass kicked by that taxi driver, rather than like being able to, to quickly dodge the the first. And the guy does eventually land a, pu- a punch. I on saying, him,
2: but, does he like say something like "You done" or something like that? Right.
4: Like, yeah. He does land a punch, but it's like he should have just like the guy should have got a couple good shots to just make Ice T's character just weak from from the start. It, it I was mean, weird. They set him up like he was he was going to have skills, but his dog did following. just
2: explode over that. Cars. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit I get I, I, I hear what you're saying though, 100% um, so we got Mason and his friend Hank Hank is the uh, the old guy played by Jeff Corey Mason buries the dog and then we cut to the evening it's pouring down raining the two are dumpster diving for Hank who's you know he's old and hungry Mason finds a gun and Hank tells him to chill he says always check the barrel for bullets remember that kids remember that part always check the chamber remember that mason then tells him that he knows where to get some real food why the fuck they didn't go there to begin with i have no idea so they go there and (laughs) they break into this meat place and mason comes out with these gigantic slabs of meat again i don't know why they didn't go here to begin with but hank stopped by this aggressive security guard now He proceeds to beat Hank up until Mason saves him and scares him off with his gun. What the fuck's this dude's problem? Like, he's here being completely over the top and preaching like he's coming out of a Spike Lee joint or something. Like, the dude's intensity is, like, fire-like levels in this scene. I I just noted, what's the deal with the security guard? Like He
4: takes his job seriously. Yeah. If if you're the guy who owns that meatpacking plant, you, you appreciate that guy. Yeah.
1: Hey, we had enough for lots of folks.
0: Well, well, I finally caught your ass. Hey, we're just hungry. Come on, give us some break will you? No, oh, man, we don't want no trouble. We'll give it back. The hell we're putting it back? It's already contaminated with your filth. Somebody's gonna have to pay.
1: Leave <laughs> the old man alone. <laughs> ah! Pulling a gun on me, huh? <laughs>
0: what you gonna do? You gonna hurt me now? Hurt you? No, I'm not gonna hurt you. Huh? No, I'm not gonna hurt you at all. I'm gonna kill me somebody tonight. night. <laughs> huh? You're right, somebody's gonna die tonight. Yeah, but it's gonna be you. So maybe it's gonna, be- man, it's gonna be all of us. I don't know. Yeah, let's all die. you a hey, crazy uh, motherfucker, but you ain't crazy to me. I'll take this stick around with your ass and make a cop sit your fuck ass. You ain't shit. You like being up old people? I can just- bust you in the motherfucking head. Let's go see this. devil. Would you like that? Would you like that? Man, get, get the out, fuck me. up out of here so that I will bust you in the motherfucking hey, Get the fuck up out of here. And you don't come back here.
4: I mean, he ended up being bungling and at his job, but he, he bungled the the whole, the main part of the job. But um, I just he, made a note of
2: like his whole demeanor, like his whole. Oh yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. He, he was very into it.
2: Oh yeah. So yeah, the, it turns into this homeless community gathering. They're all feasting on the meat that Mason and Hank took. The contaminated meat. The guy says, yeah, "They're just grilling for everyone." You know, it's a nice gesture. Everyone's you know dining and. They're all thanking them collectively, um, and there's
4: like a father and a son, and it, it almost looks like a cookout. Like they don't look like super like homeless. You know what I mean? Or like right? Or like bummy. And that and, that, and that's one of the scenes where the music's kind of silly. So I was just like, what it's the like fuck's a, it's going like on? this
2: jazz <laughs> with this goofball like electronic beat to it. It's it's, it's like, weird. What's going on here? It's a weird mix, but it's the same score throughout the whole movie. You hear the same fucking song in, like, these scenes where it, like, does not belong. And that's what I'm talking about. So, yeah, he's thanked for providing all the food. And, you know, Mason walks off and Hank follows him. And he tells Mason to get back on his feet no matter what. He's Mickey, basically. Come on, Rocky! And we we, we we also hear about an incident that occurred two years ago insinuating that something life-changing happened to Mason, and that's why he's homeless. I did note that I like the friendship between Mason and Hank. It's yeah. sweet. I honestly watched an entire prequel of these two if they ever did one together. <laughs> <laughs> or a TV show or something. But it's very short-lived, unfortunately. Yeah. The next morning, Mason wakes up, and Hank has passed away in his sleep. As a couple of homeless folk, they've got a pretty made though, in that place, that, that, that old bus that they've turned into this nice little commode. <laughs> but, yeah, poor Hank is dead. Me buries him next to the dog and then goes to kill himself by walking out in the traffic, but he's saved by the grace of God in the, in the form of rock, Charles S. Dutton, who's serving lunch to the homeless and witnesses Mason pulling this stunt He's gonna—he's about to be hit by an eighteen-wheeler, so of course he runs out and saves him. And Mason's not happy about Dutton's little rescue attempt—not one bit. He's pretty pissed. And uh, Dutton's Walter. His—I keep calling him by his first name, but they call him Cole. They all get referred to by their last name yeah. in this movie. So Cole refers Mason to a businessman named Tom Burns.
1: My partner. He's such a humanitarian. Why don't you come in, Mason? Sit down. No offense, but you don't look like much of a hunter to me. I was just getting ready to say the same thing about you. I've already got the job. How many cigarettes do you smoke a day? many as I can get. I appreciate you coming in. But the job needs someone with uh, endurance. I'm afraid your lungs couldn't handle it.
0: That's it? Just that quick? That's it? Come on, man, I need this job. Man, I got endurance. I can do whatever it takes. Come on, man. What's that? That's one of those running
1: things over there, right? Turn that on. Put me on it. Show you some endurance. this
0: up for half an hour I'll give you 20 bucks for 20 bucks i run the fucking alaska
2: who initially is skeptical but eventually offers mason a job as their hunting guide after successfully jogging on his treadmill for 30 minutes earning 20 bucks and remember, burns talks to mason about endurance and that's what Leads to the treadmill bit after earning twenty bucks and seeing how much he can get, you know, he goes pretty far with that twenty bucks. Mason accepts the job. So with this twenty bucks, Mason gets a hotel room. He buys a bottle of wine, food, and other stuff that he definitely would excel that twenty bucks. That that twenty bucks would have been gone by the hotel rental alone, probably.
4: Well, these are you got to figure these are nineteen ninety two prices, so you could maybe get all that stuff for twenty bucks back there. Those hotel those hotel rooms like. You read them by the night, and they're like flea bags. So, yeah, they, they were pretty cheap back then. They might be Bottom stretching line, a little bit, but.
2: You, you think iced tea drinks cheap?
4: <laughs> yeah. It iced tea doesn't, but this character does, yeah.
2: Oh, kid, I keyed. So, he's taking a hot bath, and he's cutting his dredge with his razor blade. And the hotel room, I noted, has a fucking sink in the living room. Um. That's my way note. Next morning, Burns shows up and he's looking like a golfer with this get up. He's got fresh clothes and two hundred bucks in advance for Mason. And we also see that Mason's body is covered in burns from some time ago. And this is something that well Burns also acknowledges. He tells him he'll pay Mason five hundred dollars a week and that food and lodge are also included with the job. So everyone heads to the wilderness where they've got their own security, their own personal runway and a nice secluded cabin and a, the wooded, all the wooded area you could ask for. Beautiful Washington state. In reality, they've got it all covered. To their victims, this is a nice slice of heaven. What I like about this is that Ernest Dickerson also tricks the audience with this elegant setup. At least speaking from a personal perspective, once we get to this arrival, and until the following morning's a sort of wake-up call, which we'll get to, I'm not even thinking about the plan. To me, this film is about a group of yuppies and a clueless son of a bitch named Mason who's coming with them on an annual hunting trip.
4: Are you including the dinner, too? Because to me... Yeah. Oh, well, to me, seeing know, the dinner, there's so many... They're fucking with him at the dinner. They're having a good time. Oh, I know. Oh, no, 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 sure no. It.
2: We'll get to the dinner part. Trust yeah. me. I know you're. I know what you're referring to. And I actually noticed that. I'm in a note myself. What you're, what you're getting at? Yeah, but, I
4: mean, when, when they first show up, though, yeah, it's it's easy to forget for a minute that they're going to be hunting him the next day. You know, it seems just like a, a just a bunch of guys getting together to hang out at the lodge, sort of thing. Yeah,
2: but the dinner scene well I mean it's next anyway so before we get to the madness of Gary Busey I wanted to (laughs) mention Rucker Hauer in this scene and how he's he is deliberately throwing hints of their true intentions at Mason while telling him to slow down cherish the moment get to know the animal before you eat that kind of shit and everyone else like Charles S. Dutton's Cole is also playing along with their comments about the following day and everything
1: take your time enjoy yourselves alright alright Life's true pleasures are so unpredictable. I say, cherish the moment for what it is. Observe your food. Smell it. Touch it. Put your mind into it. And then, when you're finally ready, consume it
6: slowly.
0: <laughs> you do it your way, I do mine.
6: I want to help. Did you become such a tough, fucking horrific chef?
1: We don't believe in the the average processed food. We hand-pick carefully. Cole's the real expert. There's a poem, Yates wrote it.
5: Miss Cole, could you tell that this meat would be this glorious while the boy was still breathing? Oh, yeah. I was pretty sure about it. Well done. Mm
0: -hmm. How could you tell? Well, it takes some experience, but... You learn what to look
1: for.
0: <laughs> I mean, you consider the, uh, you know, the animal's age, um,
1: Jeez.
0: what condition it's in. Mm-hmm. Its hair. Mm-hmm. Its musculature. How it was raised. You know, you can pretty much tell.
2: It's something that I honestly never really thought about until recently while going back and watching this. Yeah,
4: and and Busey's like pushing the pig's head towards them like they're just they're fucking with him the whole time
2: it's all right there staring yeah. mason right in the fucking face dude yeah. he's trapped but doesn't know it yet because these people are showering him with things that he's not used to having you take a broken man you give him a do or die situation like this and we'll see how much he really wants to live We're just right. give him a, man he a wanted, fish
4: he wanted to believe it was on the up and up it was it was right. too good to be true and it turns out that it was too good to be true. Like, And, and John C. McGinley, he can't even disguise his contempt. No, for he, 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 can't just, he can't even fucking
2: hold it. He can't hold it together.
4: <laughs> He's mean bugging him the whole time. The, oh my
2: God. It's one of my favorite moments. He's just fucking sitting there and, and and I think this is the same part where he gets the cigarette, the cigarette part. He offered He asks for a cigarette, and he gives him the whole pack. Busey and McGinley's just pack, yeah. eat. I, no, it's before that because they're still eat at that point. And McGinley's just fucking eating and mean mugging him and fucking <laughs> McNamara's like, "I'm not hungry. I'm not going <laughs> to eat." You know, that's the breakfast scene. I'm I'm getting my scenes mixed yeah, up right he, now, but he, he yeah. doesn't
4: eat at breakfast. Yeah, um, but this all
2: leads to. The moment of this film, in my opinion, this is like the most talked about, most remembered fi- sequence or, or moment of this entire movie, and that is, of course, Gary Busey's Prince Henry Stout monologue. And it starts with Mason asking Busey's doc for a cigarette, and he gives him an entire pack, and then, um, Griffin, which is Johnston McGinley's character. The looks he's given Mason, like I said... And how spot on the mean and portrayal is... And how intense he can get... And Mason tells Doc to ask him anything he wants about him... So he asks about the fucked up scar on his eye... And so he answers... With the monologue... He's talking about... Well, he has—it's calls it his birthmark... On his 8th birthday... He got a, um, a bulldog from his father... Named him Prince Henry Stout... And he was strong... And their father they trained him by taking him out with the dummy and throwing m80s and he would attack and then it got to the point when he was 13 years old it was his birthday and he took his father took him out and instead of throwing m80s at this dummy now, he had to light them and throw them at the dog himself, and and the actual dog, and then he had to fight, and he was pretty much, his his father put him in this do or die situation, either the dog lives, or you live, someone's gonna die, someone's gonna live, someone's gonna die, the dog comes at him, and he, you know, with all of his pressure, with his arm wrapped around him and his elbow, or his forearm in his his jaw, locked in his jaw, he breaks his neck, and then he talks about um, licking the blood, wiping the blood, licking it, and then his father says, "Welcome to manhood," and that's why this is his birthmark, referring to that quote-unquote fucked-up scar underneath his eye. But yeah, this this like I said, this this moment. Uh, according to Rucker Howard, Gary Busey wrote the entire monologue himself. The script had several scenes of Howard's character Burns establishing his natural leadership by reminding the other hunters to abide by his rules. Originally, the, the uh, dinner scene would be the moment where he puts Busey's character Doc back in his place. However, on the day of rehearsals, Busey came up with a two-page monologue about his dog and how he wanted to try out, that he wanted to try out. And Howard felt that Busey was obviously trying to steal his scene away by not giving him a chance to intervene in his monologue. So, during the actual filming, Howard improvised the quick response to the story by calling it bullshit, which greatly confused Busey. However, Busey's delivery was so impressed. He, he his delivery impressed uh, Dickerson and everyone else that was watching that day so much impressed him so much that it was kept in the final film and Howard's retort wasn't used
3: I know more about you than you think Mason probably do <laughs> but I don't know shit about you well ask me something ask me anything you want alright how'd you get that fucked up scar up under your eye I refer to that as my birthmark. On my eighth birthday, my father brought me a bulldog, a fat little bulldog. I named him Prince Henry Stout. He was strong. He would chase my pet turkey, he would chase squirrels up the tree. I trained him, I raised him, I fed him, I groomed him, I took care of him. I love that dog, I love that dog. More than anything in the world, I love that dog. My father gave me a handful of cherry bombs in m 80s and said, you're gonna train this dog to be a protector. So, every Saturday afternoon, I got behind a little dummy my dad built, and I'd toss these cherry bombs and M-80s at the dog. Boom! Boom! That dog was scared at first, but after a while, he got angry and he would come at the dummy. (laughs) He'd get the dummy and rip it apart. Head was off, shirt was gone. So, 13 years old, birthday time, got me a 12-gauge shotgun. (laughs) We're going hunting. I was so excited. We went out in the clearing in the woods, my dad laid his gun down, took my gun and laid it down and said, Son, today you're gonna learn to control your emotions. You're gonna do things that some men are unable and unwilling to do. Follow me. I followed my dad, we went around a clump of trees, there's a little corral built. There's Prince Henry Stout chained in the middle of the corral. My dad took out a pocket full of cherry bombs and put them in my hand and said, Get in the corral, here's a lighter. I want you to light those cherry bombs and throw them at the prince. You're gonna face manhood. You're gonna fight that dog to the death. He's gonna kill you or you're gonna kill him. Now! Boom! He was on me. He was on me like flies on shit. Had no chance. I got my arm up between his teeth and my neck. Whomp, went down in the mud, rolled over, rolled over. That dog is fighting and biting and scratching and kicking, and I'm screaming and crying. I'm grabbing him around the head. I stand up, <laughs> fall with my weight on it. <laughs> Here's neck break. He's dead. He's not breathing. He's not yelping, he's not biting. I'm covered with blood. I stand up. I wipe the blood off. Like lick it my dad says welcome to manhood
4: that's why this is a birthmark they give ice they give iced tea a retort which is like meant to diffuse the tension a little bit it's kind of yeah. like a cheesy like but because i was kind of annoyed at it first i'm like oh my god BUC just delivered this fucking mind-blowing monologue and then, like, Ice-T, like, pu- like, pops the balloon, you know, the tension balloon, with this stupid comment. But then, because he, he says, do you tell your patients, do, or do your patients know this?
2: Do your parents just know that you're fucked up? So, something like that. Yeah, and, the actual and, and line. Busey
4: goes, no, but now, now, now you, you do. do. Yeah. Again, because he's not going to live long enough to, you know, to tell anybody about right. it anyway. So, right. why not? why not tell this guy? It's like, it's again just fucking with them like in their own little ways um but yeah like see i i i've never heard anybody say one word about this movie good or bad it's kind of a movie at least on my radar just faded away without comment no one talks
2: about it dude no one ever talks about this movie
4: well you said that the the monologue though is what's remembered and it's like i've never heard anybody i've never seen anybody post it online um but like in the conversation of all time great monologues, this needs to be in there because it's fucking yeah. fantastic. It, yeah. It's it's amazing, actually. Um, and I like it even more knowing that Busey completely came. That doesn't surprise me. Um, and it seems very naturalistic the way he delivers it. Um, but it, it's amazing. It's It's one of the best monologues ever
2: yeah I, I actually I honestly every time I, I witness this monologue sequence and, and hear it I I get into it I get enthralled by it I'm always like wrapped up into the story and how it's 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 so fucking good
4: I had to rewind it and so watch it again it was so good, good. like I was yeah. like oh my god I need to see that again like did that just really happen
2: yeah um, th- th- this shit's always gotten me ever since I first saw this movie I've always loved this part
4: and Dickerson brilliantly just he doesn't cut away. once. No, he just no he cut. stays in, and he and he slowly zooms in as it goes along. The things like a uh, minute and a half, two minutes long, and he just slowly like zooms in almost imperceptibly the whole time, um, and doesn't cut. It's it's just genius all around.
2: It's such a fucking believable fucked up story too. Yeah, it's just
4: exactly it's heartbreaking it like it is heartbreaking that, that, I mean dude. his character is evil but it gives you an insight into why he's evil it, it's yep. really smart
2: yep so well what follows that is Mason's wake up call you want to talk about intensity
1: <laughs>
2: in your face shit uh, I forgot to mention uh, Boyan Bazeli is the uh, director of photography in this movie I love this shot of Cole's gun barrel staring you right in your face as the viewer.
4: (laughs)
0: the fuck up and put that shit on we'd like to play a game yes it's very simple you see the hunt begins now we're the hunters and you're the hunted you leave here now with a head start of as long as it takes us to eat a nice leisurely breakfast
1: if you make it to civilization you live. If you don't, maybe God will have mercy. Yo, Bert. Bitch! Yeah. Oh, oh,
0: oh. ah, yeah. yeah. Let yeah. Me get Come on, man! son of a bitch. I want you so bad I can taste it. Let me get the door. Just let me get the door Come on, come on. Get out there. Go, 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 go. Go. go, go, go.
1: Rod! <laughs> <Ryan. laughs> what
0: the fuck? Ryan. He's gonna chase his nuts, Ryan. Ryan. Hey, <laughs> Pace yourself!
1: I enjoy fucking with him. Don't you?
3: Of course. What really excites me is breaking his neck with my bare hands. That's, well, what that's fine, them. Doctor. But I can assure you, I fully intend to shoot that son of a bitch myself first. This one better last long enough to make it a challenge.
1: Well, trust me, yeah. he will.
2: Dude, the way everyone acts while parading around Mason while he's being thrown out of the cabin. Like, <laughs> McGinley is so unhinged, spit in <laughs> his face. That one's
4: so bad.
1: F. Mary
2: Abraham is so excited. Like, Hello, Mr. Mason. Let me show you the door. And everyone else is just clapping at him and tossing him around like a fucking pinball. Oh, my God. It is it's it is like... It is a wake-up call from hell.
1: And they give Mason
2: until they're finished enjoying their breakfast before they come start coming after him. So they, he gets a head start. And that was nice of them. And they set him free in the surrounding forest. Because remember, this literally you got this little personal fielded runway area and everything else is just woods just woods forest woods nature and he has no clue where to go what where what's what directions north nothing he knows nothing and whenever i watch or thinking about this sequence i often think about what i would do if i was in a place in this fucked up situation and like i don't know man like I would get as far out as I could bef- without running out of breath entirely, like just far enough, not too far, because I gotta keep the energy for the next part. And just find the tallest fucking tree, man, and climb that bitch. Just climb the tallest tree you can and stick around. That's what I would do. But
4: yeah, I mean, I was never good at long distance running, so that definitely would not have been my. <laughs> would have thought something else like. <laughs> I need to so you, and...
2: They can't see you unless they're all like looking up. I, right. I don't think that you would think they'll look up into a tree or something. I don't Maybe know. Maybe I can
4: take one of them out and get their weapon and fight back. That—that's where my mind would probably be.
2: Well, here is the thing: he don't tell that they don't tell him this yet, but they've got like fucking ATVs and and motorbikes <laughs> and shit. Like he gets a head start, yeah, but it don't it don't really make a difference. It it don't. So, um, uh, Cole. <laughs> they're all enjoying their breakfast Cole's reminiscent about reading the sports page while enjoying his m- morning cup of Joe that's always a highlight for me and then Burns responds saying how much he hates reading the paper describing the media as the mirror of the world's ugliness and instead he likes beautiful things and he holds up this clear butterfly plaque that he looks through at Cole who's flashing this incredibly bright <laughs> smile at him
4: I love that shot
2: and I do too and... Okay. Where are you at on... Cole and Burns being an item? Like a closeted couple?
4: I never gave that a thought. Why? Is that like... Did you read that? There, are, That's mo- like there a thing? are subtle
2: hints throughout this movie. Um, This this shot's one. There's a shot later on when they all double back to the house. They both... Or back to the cabin. When they both come in together, they're both side by side. And they both... um because they, they, they at the same time go mr oh mr mason and there's there's just a couple of glances that they show and the, the, the fact that burns is the one who puts cole down it's like a tra- like a tragic end to like a, a lover's tale or so i've always looked at these two as like a like a secret couple
4: yeah, i could see that like I, I didn't give that any thought i just thought of them as bros you know like uh
2: Maybe that could very well be. Yeah, and
4: I I always, like, I'll be on the lookout for that kind of stuff, too. But, yeah, I I didn't get any hints of that from them in this. But I see what you're saying. Like, I I don't disagree with it. I just, I hadn't approached it from that angle.
2: Yeah. Um. I mean, because neither one of them even mentioned... Having you know, or a, a female companion of any sort, yeah. like a wife or a lover or anything like that. Like we right. know nothing about this. They're, they're the only two, in fact, that we know nothing about privately, you yeah. know. Um. Anyway, uh, let's not forget Derek Sr. places $1,000 on Derek Jr. drawing for his blood. Well, that's because Derek
4: Jr. at this point is showing his true colors. And he's I don't out. mean this yeah, I don't mean this is a bad thing. He he's got some common sense. He's like he, and it's
2: He's a human. He's right. you know, it's like it's it's he's you and I in the situation. Like just,
4: yeah, you know, I'm
2: not gonna go out there with my fucking honey vest and shit with the rifle and like, you know, going hunting, like no. And you
4: can tell that he was dragged along by his father. Oh yeah. And maybe, you know, even though he knew He was told what the intention is he seemed to think that they don't really do that like i guess they just think it's like a hazing thing Uh, and then because he says he says he said we're really going to do this like he seemed you know and, and maybe he's trying to fool himself at that point but at any rate he just isn't on board and then that kind of becomes his character he really didn't have much of a character leading up to this point and then that just becomes yeah his only characteristic for the, re- the remainder of the movie is like the guy who doesn't want to do this.
2: Because even Burns acknowledges it because he asks him he's like, we're not going to have a problem, are we? Right. And, you know, yeah, and, he's trying, he and, and from that moving on, you know, because if Burns is acknowledging it, then yeah, you know it's serious. So that's when he's hyping his son up and after that, that's when we get the thousand right. dollars like, far as blood. So you can you see know. that they're
4: all starting to second-guess the sun, and this is the sort of thing where they can't have anybody who's not on board. Like, it, they're, you know, you're in it 100% at this point, and if you're not, then you don't get to leave either, I think, is sort of the insinuations. Um
2: I mean, well, it, I question why Eric Burnt wrote him in a screenplay to begin with. I have no idea why it, he's even in this The character's unnecessary. Movie. Yeah, he's completely unnecessary. This character is unnecessary. in this movie. We don't need I this agree. bullshit in our yeah. hunting movie.
4: Or, if you're going to have it, I, I don't even think it's a bad idea to have, you know, F. Murray Abraham's character brought the Sun. The son has second thoughts, but it's an underwritten character, and... The, the guy McNamara it was just completely no, mis- not good
2: portrayal, either. was
4: miscast. It's, he didn't look like F. Murray Abraham's son. Like, I just got no feeling whatsoever that these two were father and son. So, and F. Murray Abraham, who also has an underwritten character, gives a good performance, though. And that's the difference. Yeah. Like, you know, As so I, everyone, it, the, the fault that I didn't him. buy those two wasn't on F. Murray Abraham.
2: He he's the weak link. All right. Yeah. So at the time of this film's release, ninety four. By the time I saw this, like I said earlier, either it was either ninety six or ninety seven when I first saw this movie. Probably ninety six. And I I knew him from two other films. Mc um, Mac- McNamara. I knew him from a film called Chasers that um, uh, Dennis Hopper directed with uh, him and Tom Berenger. Oh and yeah. E- 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 Erica Oleniac. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those boob movies from like <laughs> the nineties.
4: It's like the last detail with boobs. Right, right,
2: exactly. And a film that came out a year after this called Copycat with uh, Sigourney Weaver and um, Dermot Maroney, Holly Hunter's in it. Yeah, he plays the serial killer. Spoiler alert.
4: Okay. In that movie, never saw it, but I can he I can see him being cast as like, you know, the serial killer. That makes sense. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Now, if you were to ask me, I would I would always say to you, McNamara was at the time was a like sort of like a plant ish. They were they were feeding this dude down our throats in the nineties, and it just wasn't yeah. it, it just wasn't cruising, man. He was a good looking like, guy. Just and, uh, he was like a pretty boy. He pretty had no. Boy. He should have been on nine hundred two
4: one zero. He shouldn't have been like made to jump to movies. He he was he was a TV actor at best. You know, like. That, that's Which, it's walked.
2: it's it's worth noting though. Here's an interesting fact that I've always known. His first film was Argento's opera. Oh really? Yeah. He played one of the victims. And then he was in like Dream A Little Dream with the Quaries. Yeah. And then you know, Aspen Extreme. Remember that one? Yes. Okay. Don't I know if I've ever that. seen
4: it, but I remember it, yeah.
2: He was kinda like your 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 your, your um uh, what's his name, who was in, uh, who was the pizza boy in Men at Work, uh, who was in a lot of, uh, Dean Cameron, he was kind of <laughs> like your Dean Cameron of the time, Pretty Boy, in a lot of these kind of like teen romp films, and then, he kind of wanted to get serious, so, you know, they they they, they, they threw, him, they, they gave him a Dennis Hopper directed film, and then from there, they gave him the Ernest Dickerson in a role that hardly miscast in this film and then from there yeah. he was a serial killer and then after copycat bomb they were just like okay it's not working let's cut him loose this project is a failure you know that's how I feel about him and now I, I who knows where he really came from
4: yeah I, I don't know where he went <laughs> did he do it like did he has he had a, I didn't check out I think I might have no I didn't check out his IMDB has he like worked continuously after that is he still in things the last
2: theatrical film he was in was Jerry Springer's Ringmaster.
4: Oh, geez. That was a long time ago. Has he done TV? Because, like I said, he just. He's looks done like work. A, Yo, he he look, he's yeah, he's He looks like a TV. He seems to me like he could constantly so, be employed in, in different TV shows. Like, just show a lot up of TV. for an episode or two Not a or lot one. of
2: TV stuff. No, oh, no, really? don't get a, huh. no, no. no. Um, some TV stuff, but a lot of directed video stuff throughout the. the yeah, I mean he, he's had a steady career as an Good, actor, him. but just not Good. stuff that I know of. Yeah, I mean, hey, man, if it pays the bills, do what you do.
4: Exactly, I, I don't begrudge anybody if they right, can make right. a living in, in you know, in movies and TV. Good for them. The last
2: think. film that I see that he was in was 2020's the Second, a film starring Ryan Philippe and Casper Van Deen. <laughs> and William Cat. So, William Cat, folks, he was the. Uh, Greatest, greatest American, American, American hero. hero. <laughs> so, uh, let's get back to the film. Let's, uh... So, the after breakfast, the uh, Hunters get on their bikes and ATVs, and they head straight towards Mason. Like, they always go the same route. That's what they say. They always, always go the same route, and Mason's left the foot trail that's apparently so big that Stevie Wonder can see it. And... <laughs> my notes i love my notes sometimes talk about the cherokee jacket that he's rocking <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah he, he does i thought rock. he made a note of that he's was so badass too. yeah he's got he's got like a whole indian look
2: he does it's great it's it's like a wasn't this this is the same year as a, on deadly ground this that was another cherokee influenced action film When you know, uh, this come out oh, 94 i thought this was
4: 92 for some reason okay yeah that's 94 right here
2: okay we're on 94 and yeah, actually, I, I am right because uh, Llew- yeah, Llew- 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 in February and this came out in April, two months later. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. Uh, so, uh, after nearly being shot by McGinley, Mason decides to head back to the cabin, and this is where we see the collection room, aka the trophy room, which is a uh, room of all the fucking heads of their victims. They kept in these jars with their name plaques and they see an empty jar or he sees an empty jar with Mason's name plaque on it and the one thing I don't like about this film is how convenient the writing is with Howard somehow always correctly assuming where Mason is like in this scene he's like I bet you he doubled back to the cabin they all go back to the cabin. Well, you know what? There's fucking Mason at the cabin, yeah. <laughs> and it continues on. I will, I will acknowledge it as we go on, but it it, it starts here, and it happens a lot in this movie. See, I liked, um,
4: I liked it here though because I liked the inter- the interaction between um, Dutton and Howard, where Howard's like, I'm having a thought, and Dutton has it at the <laughs> same time, and he's like, Yeah. Nobody's ever done this before. It's like they're, they're sharing like a little bit yeah, of history you're between right. the two. I, I like it for that reason. It's a, this one it's a nice a little character for I forgot moment.
2: about that. Yeah, you're yeah, right. It's, it's is a cool funny. little
4: character moment that I, yeah. that I really like.
2: Uh, yeah, so they all go about the cabin. Of course, Mason starts the fire. He pours gasoline all over the place and lights that bitch up. Mason gets to do it with Doc. They're all fighting in the back. Meanwhile... Uh, a, like a beam falls down and knocks out uh, Mason. Uh, not Mason. Um, De- Derek Senior. So Derek Junior is running in. Dad!
1: Dad! Dad! <laughs> Dad! And I also wrote
2: down, uh, when, when they first get in there before the fire occurs, F. Mary Abraham's like, I'm coming after you, Mr. Mason.
4: I'm coming. <laughs> He's having a good time. I'm
5: coming for you, Mason. Here
1: I come, Mason.
4: He I is like
2: excessively it. excited about this yeah. whole hunting thing. Man. I
4: really like it. He's got, all of them do have yeah. at least a moment or two where like their characters really shine. Like F. Mary I, I wrote that
2: exact same thing down. It's in my <laughs> prose, dude. Spoiler alert. <laughs>
4: he's an underwritten character but he does the most with what he's got like he just has like that moment and there's one later on where uh, McGinley gets mad he's like you took my shot don't ever take yeah. my shot yeah. he's like or the fuck what like he just gets yeah. pissed off and it's great like he, <laughs> yeah he just has moments throughout the movie I'm like man he's he, he, me? he really is a good actor
2: yeah um, Doc and Mason had the fight in the back and it ends with Doc getting thrown in through the window, and um, unfortunately, Mr. Busey has to exit stage left from this film. Perishes in the fire. He gets thrown through the window, and a big ass fucking fireball comes out. So that just tells us that he's gone. Yeah, and, and he had and- a
4: couple more moments that we didn't mention because, again, like he he exits the movie early, but you're so invested in his characters at, at this point, and it's a so monologue. It's the monologue, of course, but then at breakfast where he's like all right, come on, I'm ready to go. Let's go. And like, yeah. Rutger Howard has to talk him down. He's like, no, not yet, not yet. It's like, that's a really cool Busey moment. And that moment in the forest when uh, he and McGinley are running and, and Busey's yes. like, he killed a tree or whatever the fuck he says. Killed like, a tree,
2: see that? See that, he killed a tree.
4: Yeah, like he, that's a fun little Busey moment. So like yeah. he really like does a lot with that character in a short amount of time.
2: I I, I wouldn't say it's this and Silver Bullet are hands down my two favorite Gary Busey performances. Yeah. With Maybe Under Siege being a close runner-up.
4: Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that.
2: Because those are roles that he's just having so much fun in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I, I miss that Gary Busey. Unfortunately, yeah. we're never going to see that Gary Busey again. But right. It's, you know. Um, That's what
4: I thought, because this was post-accident. Like, the accident was in the late 80s, I think. So... Like, every, I think everybody tries, you know, he's crazy nowadays. And it's like, oh, well, that motorcycle accident. It's like, I, he had some years after the accident where he was still putting in good work. And then I, it went off the rails at some point.
2: When did his eyes start to sag?
4: i mean that could be an age thing like you know some people like that, you know, well, I, always I, I, know. that
2: I always thought that that was from the accident though. it
4: might be i don't know I'm, i can't remember when. i'm i'm almost positive that accident happened in the late 80s i could be wrong about that but um i feel like i feel like even lethal weapon was after the accident see now i gotta look it up because i'm
2: i have it right here you got it yeah oh, oh okay okay um 88 was when that happened yeah
4: right that's what i thought so well no lethal weapon was before that um but yeah this i mean this was after the accident he's fantastic here so uh yeah i think it was after
2: because he 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 did have like a surgery uh, like a cancerous surgery like a a plum-sized tumor okay removed from his sinus cavity
4: there you go that probably did it yeah, you guys had a, had a hard life, you know. I I don't want to he dunk has, on him, he's, he's, but he's done some good work. He's been fun in some movies, um, provided me some enjoyment. It, it sucks that he's having a rough time later in. I life. don't
2: condone his recent actions, but he doesn't. He's he's not right in the head. He yeah, should have exactly. been convinced to begin with.
4: Yeah. Yep.
2: So, anyway, Derek Jr. catches a glimpse of Mason escaping back into the woods, and he eventually tells the rest of the guys where he is. This is after Burns once again. It correctly assumes that he saw him escape,
4: and he has. A, uh, I noted. It, I called it the Roy Batty moment because he <laughs> he grabs him by the the face yeah. and like takes his thumbs like he's like working his way up towards his eyes like he's going to poke his eyes out, which is what he did in um, did, did the Joe Turkle in Blade Runner. So I was like, ah, uh, they're, they're doing a little Roy Batty thing here, do the thing, do the thing, right? <laughs> which got me excited. Since um,
2: you thought he was going to gouge his eyes. out. No, of his no, I, I didn't think he was going to
4: gouge his eyes. I wasn't excited for that, but it made me think that it's like, oh, well, if they're, if they're referencing Blade Runner, uh Busey's had a monologue. And then later on, Ice-T has a terrible monologue. I'm like, this is a movie full of monologues. You got to give Rooker Howard a fucking Roy Batty monologue. Like, come on. And they didn't. It was like, that was probably my biggest disappointment in the movie that that didn't happen.
2: We got plenty of other stuff to make up for that. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, so Mason, he's now being chased through this waterfall where he's forced to jump. And I just wrote some notes down for this sequence here. Weird edit. Hollywood yeah. loves waterfall escapes. <laughs> I, I just, forgive me. I just watched the, the fugitive recently, like in the last <laughs> few days. So I've got waterfall escapes on the brain right now. And, McGinley's over the top acting and how much I love about him like he's just <laughs> so damn good always constantly puffing on his inhaler, yeah, that inhaler. and blaming he's like everyone else for and his mistakes I down and like, wrote down and
4: like he, he can't catch his breath and he's like you talking about Sean it's like, it's, a, it's like a great voice that he puts on and before your he inhaler, can take dude. those hits on that inhaler it's fucking brilliant like, like damn that guy's good
2: and I wrote down in all caps, no way in hell his cigarettes would be dry.
4: Right. Yeah, exactly. They they try to point, like, make it the uh, obvious way. Fuck. Go. They're no, still dude. dry. It's like, no, the fuck, fuck they're not.
2: Fuck no. What kind of pockets you rocking? They better be, no, no, not even zipper. They wouldn't say those things. There's no fucking bulldogs' chance in hell. Oh, man. Um, Speaking of not a chance in hell involving cigarettes, there's no chance in hell these fucking cigarettes would, like, be lit on these trees, puffing, smoking the way they are. (laughs) Not a chance in hell, especially with today's cigarettes, with those FSCs, or F, no, F, F, yeah, FSC, I said right the first time, FSC cigarettes. Yeah, in 2008 or 7, they started, they made cigarettes to where they, like, went out if you didn't puff them after, like, a minute or so. It's called FSC, Fire Safe Chemical, and they were like they've been a nightmare for smokers since
4: then. Anyway. <laughs> we'll see, but this again was ninety-four, so yeah, the different time. Could, But a tree could smoke a cigarette at that point.
2: This tree is puffing away. Like, there's so much smoke.
4: But and it's another good little button moment. Like he he's bleeds, tricking like, I, them. I told you Love he was that.
2: good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told you he was good. And he uses this to lure uh McGinley away and he knocks him out and essentially kidnaps him. He jumps down off of this, uh, this tall rock or the trees, and knocks him out. And he carries him to this cave, this very obvious cave in this in this <laughs> boulder. And once again, Burns knows where Mason is, but this time he gets a pass because th- this is my flaw. This scene here, Mason, not... Uh, May- Mason so far has been pretty smart with this whole survival thing, but you're really gonna start a fire in the <laughs> open cave right there. And have the I
4: don't even think it was a fire. I think he had the flashlight, mm-hmm. like like or a lantern. No, or they have a fire. I thought Did they have a fire. I thought yeah. was, I thought I remembered like a a flashlight. Like, he
2: had, dude. <laughs> so fucking obvious because even because it because you we see Burns is talking to Derek Senior and he's like. I know where he is. Yeah, he's smoking you a joint.
4: And he's like, I, I, I know, I
2: know where he is. See, I know where he is. You do? And he gives him the <laughs> binoculars. He's just like, points ahead. It's like, oh well, yeah, look at that fucking bright ass fucking, you know, light coming out of that tunnel, that's up on top of that mountain, that boulder, or whatever that thing is. It's, it's, it's funny. So, yeah, this, this is where Mason learns why. Um, Griffin McGinley is always he. why he's taking part in the hunt we learned that his daughter was murdered by a homeless guy a couple months back and now he's venting his rage which was enhanced earlier when he asked Mason what happened to his family and Mason responds with I killed them
0: <laughs> what's up big tough cowboy you scared a few little bugs ain't never slept on the ground before <laughs> I sleep in a bed shithead not like an animal Hey, just because you sleep on the ground on not mean you're an animal, just means you're poor.
5: Maybe.
2: That may be. But you, Mason, are waste.
0: You know what? you didn't tired of your... I mean, you know, what if I took this gun, right? And blow your motherfucking brains out? Then you bleed blood just like me. Maybe then you'd understand. I don't care about my life anymore, don't you understand? I don't give a shit! I don't care!
3: someone like you
1: just like you
3: follow my daughter to school one day The police report said that she tried to get away from him. Nobody never caught him.
1: And for all I know,
3: it was you. Ain't that a bitch. Yo,
0: motherfucker, you got a personal problem, man. And it ain't got jack shit to do with me. Kidding
2: you said she fucking kid. You me. don't know You're shit about me. <laughs> And Mason reveals that he didn't literally kill his family; instead, that they died in an apartment fire that he couldn't he couldn't rescue them from. And Griffin realizes that Mason's comment earlier meant that Mason blamed himself for the tragedy, right. even though it wasn't his fault. And you know, it's a little character development. It's it's something that I always appreciate in my cinematic experience, getting to know your characters a little more. You know, and I, and I really think McGinley and Ice T. See, I know you're gonna rip apart Ice T in this in this scene. <laughs> I think McGinley's great. I like yeah. their chemistry in this McGinley scene. I great. don't think Ice T is particularly, you know, award winning. <laughs> uh, McGinley's great. Like I said, I but I, I do like their chemistry in this in this moment. I really do. Uh, their conversation feels real. That's why I say that. It's something from. I don't know. It's maybe it's like you've got someone from the rich and the poor sharing an emotional loss or a common loss and i don't know something about their 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 emotions in this moment uh, i feel for it, especially this i'm a father myself i don't know but i, I like this this scene um go on retort <laughs> well
4: no i mean i i agree with that i don't agree that you know ice tea i know you I don't, don't, don't like ice tea in this I scene I, tea- I i yeah He's not unwatchable, like his not being able to act. There's there's something amusing about that, too. But um, this movie could have been a five star movie if like with a couple of different casting choices. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's weird that they give Ice-T a monologue. (laughs) Um, And McKinley gets just a little mini monologue, like a half page thing. Right. Um, and he kills it. I like when he's just like, "You don't seem to understand. I don't want to live it. Like, I don't want to live or, no more. Yeah, right. I don't want to live no more. I don't. I don't care if I die. Something like that. I mean, he's just great. Like he just he kills he's it. He's giving off those
2: like he's got this like aggressive cry right. that he gives <laughs> off in this movie.
4: <laughs> he's <laughs> like he, he presents as such a tough guy, but underneath he's just he's like, so a emotional, mess. right? Yeah, he's a blubbering mess. It's it's a, it's, like, it's dude, a hilarious he just, character. Here's my it's, shoulder.
2: Just cry for a little while.
4: It's, it's you could, a dude, great. You could use it a hilarious character and just a brilliant portrayal like he's yeah. such a good actor you know
2: so the next morning mason escapes so that the group doesn't find him and he, he leaves you know obviously um mckinley to, for the rest they come and scoop him up and he doesn't have much information for them but he tells burns that he's gonna go home and that they've they gotta let mason go so you gotta let him go gotta let him go because of this <laughs> Unfortunately, McGinley catches a bolt in the head from Cole. He's like, you're going to shoot me in the back? Yeah. I lied. I look at all of you. Listen once. I'm going to say it once. I ain't going out with you no more.
1: I'm through. And if I can't stop you, then I can't stop you. And I'm going home. John. I'm going Mr. Griffin, home. you stupid Texas cowboy, you stopping right there. Or what? <laughs> what, you gonna shoot me in the back, huh? Yeah. I lied.
2: <laughs> I love how the camera pans over quick as shit to Cole <laughs> He just whips out his fucking gun and shoots him point blank in the like, fucking head. like, He's having fun. Smiling, like. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: even and I always laugh. He's, he says, like, earlier in the movie, Cole, he goes, I can see right now, somebody's got to put a bullet in his ass. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, fight, I do so. like that
2: fucking foreshadowing. Yeah. <gasps> and, and I great. always laugh after this, because fucking Derek Jr. starts screaming until his dad... <laughs> he screams for his dad, and Burns punches him in the stomach.
5: Dad!
4: Dad, do something! Dad! But uh, McKinley's great, like, just leading up to all this. Like, he walks, you know, they free him, he's walking out of the cage. Oh, yeah. Like, He's like, and hey, you got any water? And, and he's Derek aggressively
2: Jr. eating and drinking. He's like, hey, like <laughs> hey, I got a, power, like, a couple power bars for you.
4: It's like, he's, he's just, he seems like a guy who really just got out of a cane. He's just like, yeah. like he didn't hear like Derek Jr. is just like, yeah, I got some. He's like, what, what? And like, it's just <laughs> such a, a great little, like, again, McGinley's such a good actor. Uh, you hungry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He the takes, way he's like, scarfing down lose. the food as he's
2: telling <laughs> him what happened <laughs> and shit. He goes, he's like fucking wheezing for air.
4: Right. Can't do it. He's like, I'm not going out with you guys anymore. Can't do it. He could have killed Can't me. Do and he, Can't do it. He could have killed me. Gotta and let he him go. He gotta let him go. Let gotta let, let him go. <laughs> <laughs> gotta let him go. And that John <laughs> C. McGinley delivery is fucking brilliant. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> gotta let him go.
2: And I always forget, I forgot, I forgot to mention that they've added, they were able to talk to Mason this entire time with these wireless headsets. And
4: well no the, that's that's when does that he took McGinley it at this, starts, this, this it, is starts
2: when it starts at right here. yeah exactly and they're talking to him at this point he's trying to fire one of the guns that he took from Griffin but misses and that gives a spot up so they, they you know the chase start, starts after this <laughs> and uh chase gives way along with Cole calling Mason a certain F word that rhymes with maggot which I don't need in this movie but I understand where it comes from especially from uh Us getting the impression that he's gay himself doesn't make it any better, I'm just saying.
4: Because he's like, he's getting taunted. Mason's taunting him. He's like, like, now he's getting pissed off. It's not fun anymore, you know? Now he's taking it personal.
2: 90s, man. It's the 90s. So Riverbank, he um, doubles back this scene is like okay, so they they're chasing him down this like shallow creek, this riverbanks thing, and he doubles back again, but this he time he's he used to the uh, Cole's ATV, and he sticks one of the, he sticks one of the starter cables into the fuel tank, which is <laughs> kind of clever if that's even possible. <laughs> and this time it's Cole who gets the correct feeling as to where Mason is, and we got to talk about Dutton's death scene here. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of tragic. He you know, got Burns got a hat, he's got to put his BFF slash lover to bed, and he's like laughing about it. What do you keep saying? He keeps on saying something, and he's like laughing. It's yeah, kind of I like, forget, um,
4: I forget what it is he's saying, but you haven't pointed out the best part is that he got like so when the ATV blows up, like he's still <laughs> he's sitting laughing, there, so- but- but then they cut, and he got blown, like, ten feet back, and he's he missing blown both so his... so far back. And he's missing both of his legs. He's
2: fucking... <laughs> he's fucking missing his legs, and he's, like, dying, laughing hysterically about the whole thing. He's like, you gotta be good. It's great. You gotta be good, man. <laughs> fucking birds comes over. Uh-huh. Gotcha.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> he ate. He ate the last thing. Oh, he ate dear. the last. Cool. Thing. He ate the last
1: thing. What? Happened? What? Happened? Oh. Next, next, next year, Shut right, up. next year, next year, we've got to bring... help me, more pigs. You we got to bring the girls up Bring the girls up. Really? the we have to put you to bed.
2: it's got to put him down and it reminds me of like Tony Soprano putting down his nephew Christopher (laughs) making him choke on his own blood oh man so yeah fortunately rocks out of this movie now rock and doc rest in peace and then that what follows this is the junior and senior moment the father-son I'm not like you I'm not like you I'm not like you and what follows this is Mason shooting down this tree. Yeah, this is
4: the dumbest plan ever.
2: This fucking this scene. So they he shoots down this tree to cross over to the, uh, the, the 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 ledges and Derek Jr. and it's it's down to three people. We got Derek, we got we got the Derricks and we got Burns. And they're going across, thinking that they're chasing Mason, but Mason hasn't went nowhere. He's still. On the other side, and he's like, starts throwing rocks and shit at him <laughs> as they're crossing. Like it's a fucking Looney Tunes cartoon.
4: <laughs> he used up. He used up all his remaining shotgun shells. He Dude, He's trade. like, I got three
2: left. I shit you not. I to think he had like twelve rounds in that thing. And make thing. it
4: fall over. Yeah. It would you make? It looks like he's gonna cross over this ravine, but no, he's no, them. he's
2: the, fucking. It, with, yeah. Cause... These
4: guys have proven themselves throughout this movie to be the worst hunters ever. Like they don't. <laughs> They're not Rambo. Like, they don't, like, blend into the forest or, like... They just come... Like, whoa, whoa, up.
2: whoa. Coming up, we get that, but... But yeah.
4: all he had to do was just, like, hide behind a rock, and when they came running out, which they've been doing the entire movie, <laughs> blast him with the fucking shotgun. But he got the bright idea to give his, his location away and waste all his shotgun shells by shooting a tree.
2: <laughs> Shoot the, the fucking the, tree. It's
4: the dumbest fucking plan I've ever seen in a movie.
2: <laughs> so... All of this it works, though. So to essentially take out the wrong Derek, because <laughs> to my surprise, at least when I first saw this back in '96, Derek, Derek Jr., the one character you would think would have like this like turnaround moment, right. and relent- you would think like you know he he turns turns a new leaf and ends up helping Mason at the end yeah. and the, the end start to roll as 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 Mason and Derek Jr. are walking down the alley together like <laughs> you ain't so bad you ain't so bad yourself it, that's exactly now,
4: where I thought it was going yes.
2: none of that shit man Camera exit stage left motherfucker he gets and, hit with this rock and he <laughs> falls he's like hanging over for dear life going
1: dad dad dad, dad 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 I'm slipping I'm not getting even hold. and next and, thing
2: you know and not since Ronnie Cox falling out of the top of OCP fucking tower. Have I seen a fucking no fall that goofy?
4: Yeah, it was was pretty bad effects.
2: And then what follows that even better
4: is this slow motion
2: no (laughs) shot from F. Murray Abraham, which is so fucking fake looking. Yeah. And they uh, set it's like up a fucking, earlier. It's like an overdramatic no moment with him with its slow motion and shit. It's like, what are we going for here, guys?
4: They established earlier, too, when it, um, right after John C. McGinley got killed, when Nice t gets a hold of the, um, the microphone and starts talking to him, he says something to the effect, he goes, now, he goes, my eyes just got better. Now it's just you three and the kid. Something like that. So he's already, like, he knows the kid doesn't want to hunt him. Like, he's already setting him outside of the group. Like, it, it seems like a foreshadowing, again, that these two are going to team up in some way. Like, Ice-T recognizes that this kid is in his enemy.
1: Yeah.
2: I always <laughs> thought that he was going to have redemption. And, like, save the day at the end of the film or something. Towards yeah. The third act, but and then no. the
4: kid just gets killed. I was like, oh, okay. I definitely didn't see that coming because they didn't set it up that way. Yeah.
2: When I first saw this movie, I remember thinking to myself, "Holy shit, they killed off the Junior." <laughs> I'm not sure why but they did, and not because not, like uh, that was the first thing I always thought about too. When I first saw this, was well, he knows he's innocent? Why the fuck is he like purposefully killing him right. here? Like, and you didn't need he has to make- an easy shot to take out the other two guys, but right. no, he, he he takes out the weak link.
4: And you didn't need to make. F. Murray Abraham's character, like angry, like the script didn't need that motivation. He was already a hundred percent on board with the hunt. It wasn't like he now needed a, a revenge. To get you, Mister Mason. Right? Like what? What? What are we doing here?
2: Well, so Derek Senior points a gun at Burns, and Burns tells him that Mason's eventually coming after them because he wants them badly. So they're gonna wait. Derek tells Burns that he, after he kills Mason, they'll settle up before the two hide out separately as the sun goes down and now it's down to just two men we're seeing the final members of this yuppies group start to turn on each other it's the beginning of the end Derek senior versus mason so burns is like hiding quietly observing from this spot and we get these quick shot edits of mason running around dickerson (laughs) does a really good job of keeping you on the edge of your seat wondering what the hell when mason's going to eventually reveal himself and it's another one of those sequences that was obviously filmed during the day. It's got the nighttime filter going right. on. I hate that shot.
4: <laughs>
2: but it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, they get into the fight. Not much of a fight. Mason kicks his ass and breaks his neck. Takes him out. F. Murray Abraham, F. Murray Abraham is out of this movie. Uh, after he kills him, as soon as he kills him, we hear a dirt bike take off. And so it's like Mason and Burns 101. He's Booms, and he gives chase. He finds the ATV from uh, uh Derek, and he goes after him. And then they they goes back to the to, uh, the, the 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 plane. And it gives off the impression that the plane, he's taken off of the plane. So when Ice-T gets to the plane, oh no, he's actually hiding. He had he had all this time to start this plane, get out, <laughs> double back into the woods, and then, you know, fire this rifle at a gas tank as he's approaching the plane. And that's it, because they all came in separate planes. So he takes the second plane and drives off, thinking that he saved the day. Or not saved the day, but ended their hunting little thing. He killed Mason. Basically, and we see that where he takes off, Mason pops up from the dirt and all the debris. It's a
4: convoluted uh, sequence, like it, it really it is. It's
2: this film doesn't have the best editing. Yeah. I it, it's it's got a good pacing, but yeah, it's as great as far pacing. as like cuts go. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah.
4: Um, and again, I think it's the script, it's just written weird. It's like, what, well, kind, of, is just, what, what kind of plan is this? It's, it's so weird.
2: I don't know if I put this down on my conjure now, but if I didn't, i would just bring it up now. Like the, the I've always felt that the third act feels rushed. Like as mm-hmm. soon as he kills Derek Sr., this movie hits the fast forward button. It's like, all right, we gotta wrap up. We yeah. like, ain't gonna have much of a final movement between, you know, Rucker Hauer and, and Mason, the way you think there's gonna be. No. It it just leads to It's like two minutes of screen time. <laughs> it literally... not even that. It's you see this chase that's like Within 10 seconds, we're back to the plane, and boom, we hear, he says something. Rucker Howard says something, and then fires off a couple shots, and the plane explodes. And then we see him ta- uh, just abruptly take off in a second plane. As soon as it blows up, we see a second plane take off, and it's him. And then we see Mason come up, for like it's Might of Living Dead, like he's a zombie. And then we just see this you know reveal at the bottom Seattle 3 days later and we cut to Seattle even though it's actually a, the Philadelphia skyline <laughs> that they included um and yeah it, it this film just kind of like like I said it hits the fast forward button because we just get this final encounter if you can even call it that we just see Burns transitioning into this role of a rabbi of sorts he's using this just for men hair coloring kit on his hair and eyebrows and shit and we hear this voicemail from Mrs. Wolf, Derek's wife and Derek Jr.'s mother about not hearing about her, not hearing from her husband or son for X amount of time and she's become worrisome and then we get this, we get we see like numerous shots of like different wardrobes and passports that uh, Bucker Hauer has he's like a man in many faces and uh, so he goes outside his truck's not starting so he starts walking through the alley he bumps into this old lady who asks for change he tells her to get lost and then burns senses mason because of course gets out the rifle from the bag he's carrying and then a fight ensues and it's it's a it's a pretty even fight not a final fight caliber one but still uh rocker howard gets electrocuted in the end which is pretty hilarious and Mason does something to Burns' his gun while he's walking away and just drops it. So Burns, of course, picks it up and goes to shoot him. And it's revealed that the barrel has been rigged and it'll shoot back. It, it backfires, which literally blasts Bucker Howard out of the frame in the film itself. <laughs> he just
4: explodes.
2: <laughs> it's like a disappearing act. He just boom! It's You just hear this boom and he's fucking gone. I'm like the waiting for the up. fucking camera to like point down, and his fucking shoes are still on the ground or something. <laughs>
0: Always do when you find a gun. Say goodbye.
4: So funny. And, and then the credits just start rolling. It's like the, the fucking most abrupt- credits just start.
2: <laughs> we just hear Ice T say, "Always check the chamber." We're going back to the fucking beginning. It's like he, sho-
4: he shoved all those, the rest of those cigarettes, and it looks the like fucking credits start. Rinded like, up the cigarettes and clogged up the barrel. But yeah, it's so funny. He just, he like <laughs> just explodes and disappears, and then the credits roll. It's the greatest ending.
2: I mean, not that the film needed some sort of elaborate ending or anything, but. <laughs> It just <laughs> abruptly cuts the end credits was like, like the film done. is over. We're, we're just gonna end on this. We're gonna end with Rucker Howard getting blasted out of his shoes out of the movie. Holy shit, that is Surviving the Game from fucking Ernest Dickerson. My man! Wow! Let's get to the categories. Get to Trivia Tidbits. It's funny.
1: Little things Used to mean so much to Shelley. I used to think they were kind of trivial. Believe me, nothing is trivial.
2: So, the landing strip and cabin scene of the film are, right, like I mentioned before, like one at Chi State Airport, Washington, which is very close to civilization. The cabin has since been torn down and replaced with larger buildings a few yards to the southeast. It was Howard's idea to have Thomas Burns ride a Kawasaki twin-cylinder 650 motorcycle. Howard owned one of these bikes and felt that by riding one in this movie, his character would stand out as a leader of the hunting pack. He also claimed that the bike had the appearance of an iron horse, giving Thomas Burns the look of a warrior knight. Almost all the city scenes were filmed in downtown Wenatchee, Washington. Most scenes were filmed with a two-block perimeter of, of Mission Aranda Palace and Columbia Streets, plus the alley behind the Liberty Theater off of Mission Street. The area includes the infamous Bruce Hotel, which became Bruce transitional housing for the homeless in the early 2000s. Despite the ending of the film taking place in Seattle, Washington, for some reason, production filmed and used an established shot of Philadelphia from the vantage point of the South South Street Bridge. Several key identifiable landmarks are visible in this shot, and obviously, nothing resembles a space needle to even vaguely pass it off as <laughs> the intended location. Why they did this has never been revealed. Not a single frame was actually shot in Seattle. I,
4: I have a theory, just, and I'm just Let's making this making this up um, because I didn't know about this tidbit until you said it a little while ago. Um, but in this is just my cynicism about how, like, studio executives think. Um, this movie came out in 94, so it was being mm-hmm. made in, in 93 or early 94. And what was the most hit popular city in the world at that point in time? Seattle, Washington. So I can 100% believe that that was just a thing where they were like, Hey, uh, isn't that where th- that band Nirvana is from? Um, <laughs> right, t- right. Why don't we just say like, not that I it's think that, that would, thing. yeah, exactly. Like, not that I think that in any realistic world that would sell one more ticket anywhere, but that's the way studio executives think they're like, well, what, what difference does it make if we say it's right. Pittsburgh or Seattle? It's Seattle's hip right now. Let's call it Seattle. It gives our movie a right. little cachet, you know? So, um, I'm that cynical about the way these guys think.
2: Yeah, because it didn't have to be Seattle. There's no
4: other reason for it. Location,
2: location, location.
4: Unless, like, an executive was from Seattle and he just wanted to give a shout out to his hometown. Like, there's no other reasonable explanation for why they would do that.
2: Well, obviously, not obviously, but probably because what most likely is the reason is, you know, it's the area. The rest of the film is obviously, you know, in the in the Washington State Northwest. So they wanted to keep it within range. Ah,
4: you know what? That makes sense. I didn't you know that's actually the Just more likely explanation. I didn't even think Instead of, of that. having
2: the character cross country to get to where they are. See, I, I don't
4: know. I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't never. Does it say at any point at the beginning no. of the movie? That, no. Yeah, right. I was. I don't remember them mentioning a specific location. No. So, and the fact they took planes, but they're little biplanes. It's not like they, they could flew cross country. Philadelphia
2: with the Appalachians passing off as <laughs>
4: Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's
2: the address of Hell's Canyon Outfitters as detailed on the business card that Cole hands to Mason is 15th Avenue Seattle Washington in real life there is no such address and the starting point of 5th Avenue oh sorry 5th Avenue not 15th is a section of minor rail track the phone number is apparently 206-555-2829 the actual location is an office building on Orondo Street in Wenatchee Washington Surviving the Game is one of rapper Snoop Dogg's favorite movies, surprise surprise. The same year this movie was released, Ice-T's metal band Body Count recorded an unrelated song with the title Surviving the Game, which appeared on their second album Deadborn, or I'm sorry, Born Dead. Um, when Ice-T discovers the heads of the previous humans hunted for sport, one of the nameplates reads S. Pollard. This was done as a nod to the film's editor Sam Pollard who is of no relation to film credit Ryan Pollard. When traveling to the campsite in the Plain, Mason looks out at the window and below is an albino moose. In Canada, it is a a unique variety and is considered by the local population um, and good luck to the indigenous culture. The derelict land where Mason lives in the old camper and van is now Bank of America parking lot today. And that's trivia! Or all the trivia I could find, at least. The, the one thing I did not do that I meant to do prior to watching this ep- or recording this episode is the new The Shout Factory Blu-ray that they just put out for this movie includes a brand new audio commentary track from uh, Ernest Dickerson.
4: Oh, and that'd I'm be sure
2: cool. I've listened to some of his commentaries in the past, and he's a very informative person, so I'm sure there would have been a lot of tidbits that I would have known about. Yeah. My only minor—I f- I regret not watching with the commentary before this, but you know what? Still, um, I'm still going to though. Let's
4: yeah, get to the go critics' back and corner watch that at some point, definitely.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to probably within the next week or so. Check it out just for my own curiosity. Uh, anyway, let's take a walk to the critics' corner and see what they all have to say about the film. <laughs> All right, so the film has a Rotten Tomato score of 32% based off of 19 reviews. No critical consensus, not for this film. It's got a meta score of 41 out of 100 based off of 13 reviews. And let's hear what Siskel and Ebs had to say about the film.
5: ...into the movies not knowing anything about the picture you're going to see, and it starts out routine, and then it sort of grows on you. It's not really good, but hey. It's one of the reasons the movies were invented. Those were some of my feelings when I stumbled into surviving the game last Tuesday afternoon for the 450 show with maybe 30 other people in the theater. It's another retelling of that classic most dangerous game story of a group of rich thrill seekers who out in the wilderness pay big bucks to hunt not just an animal but a real human being. The rapper Ice t does a good job as the victim, a distraught homeless man mourning the death of his wife and daughter, and a street roaming Good Samaritan saves him from a suicide attempt and has an idea about a job for him.
0: Isn't there anyone else, you know, who's missed you? If you no, gone? no. You know, I find that's hard to believe. Man, look, maybe you don't understand this. I don't want anybody to care about me. I don't want to be responsible for anybody else's feelings, all right? I'm through with it. Hey, let me ask you something. Someone offered you a good job, something that would be a real opportunity for you. Would you be
5: interested? The job takes ice tea to a fancy cabin and dinner where he doesn't realize the following morning he's gonna be hunted like that pig on the table by these same rich guys. There's a toast to the hunters and a prayer
1: for the hunted. Amen.
5: Among the hunters is a Wall Street bigwig played by F. Murray Abraham and his son played by William McNamara. You're too much like your mother.
1: I brought you out to learn something about yourself and about this world. I spent $50,000 for you to learn a lesson. To develop an instinct you don't have. And I'll be damned if you're not gonna
5: learn it. Naturally, most of the picture consists of action scenes during the hunt. And among the hunters is the organizer of the game, a real creep played by Rutger Hauer, who specializes in playing creeps. It's gonna be dark soon.
1: Wait. Sit. He wants us. He wants us bad. We'll let him come for us.
5: I'll say this much for surviving the game. I've seen a lot of boring, pretentious pictures in the last couple of weeks, including some of the ones we reviewed on this show but Surviving the Game isn't one of them. It's a familiar story, but Ice-T is a fresh, compelling actor, and so many of these rappers are good actors. I'm not sure why, and although it finishes lamely, I'm still recommending Surviving the Game. It's a good B-movie for the action crowd, and I liked it.
6: I have a lot of sympathy with your point of view, although I cannot quite recommend the movie, but I share a lot of your feelings about it. What got to me was the fact of its utter predictability. There have been at least two other movies that I can right. think of I... with the same plot, which is the hunters get the guy out into the woods and it turns out that he's gonna be the game right and so I felt that it was disappointingly unoriginal however at the same time I agree with you that Ice-T is a good actor and that there are are a lot a lot of good scenes in the movie I saw it at 4.50 on Monday afternoon probably in the same theater
5: but Roger you won't surrender can I talk you into this because you have all you've championed the B picture you know what that's like yeah I have won't you tell a friend you know, it's not bad. You say it that way. Well, you're not you? going to be able to change my mind.
6: So I want to talk about something else. One of the reviews of this movie called it racially divisive, oh, and I completely, please. I completely disagree with that. He's the strongest guy. He's not only the strongest guy in the movie, but also it's made quite clear that among the hunters is a black man, among his best friends is a white man. Yeah. This is not a racially oh, divisive th- picture, and I'm sorry that critics have to look at it in that way if the casting is done that way because it's going to break down this kind of non-traditional casting and i liked it for that reason okay
2: owen gleberman from entertainment weekly called the film cliffhanger with one-third the firepower saying that dickerson does little to differentiate from other films in the genre he did give praise to the cinematography and the efforts of the main cast singling out Ice T for having on-screen charisma but being a bit unconvincing as an action star, concluding that still, for a few moments there, the movie gives Billy Robert Bly just what he deserves. Marjorie Baumgarten from the Austin Chronicle gave it 2 out of 5, was critical of the the film's scripts, characters and overall message as being out of whack and sophomoric, but gave credit to the actors portraying them and the uh, production team for being a vital element in Dickerson's filmmaking, saying... He has a definite flair for action pictures, but the stunning contributions from cinematographer Boyan Pizzelli add immeasurably to the movie itself. Reviewer Simon Abrams from Slant Magazine was also critical of the film, saying in his review, submitting Surviving the Game for the White Elephant Blogathon is like giving an unwieldy lump of coal to a child on Christmas Day. As malicious gestures go, it's a doozy. Okay, that was a mouthful. Let's get to our pros and cons now that we heard what they all had to say. Let's talk about what we all thought about the film.
5: Robin,
0: get me my legal pad. It's pros and cons time!
2: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, pros. In and out, this film delivers the goods in a nice, compact, 90-minute runtime. and never once overstays its welcome. It's a very fun and unexpected cast of who's who from the mid-90s, And I really like how every single character in this film gets their own time to shine, so to speak. Everyone's given equal amount of time to do their thing, and with a cast of this caliber, that's pretty big. Um, Of course, I also wanted to acknowledge Gary Busey's Prince Henry Stout monologue is almost worth the price of the admission alone. It's just a well-put-together and highly-rewatchable film. I always have a rock-solid blast with this movie. I've always just thought it was a fun movie um, I, I, the, the characters are just I, I love the camaraderie between the hunters they're fucked up people but you know the bond between Dutton and Howard and McGinley's banner with, with Busey and, and, and his wording and everything like I just and, and, and Murray's weirdness with his fucking son, that he's just force feeding this whole sadistic whole plot, too. Like, I'm still not sure why he brought his son along, but hey, man, you do you. But, you know, I just, I like this is a rare occurrence where, like, I dig the villains, man. I really do. I don't have much to say about Ice T himself in this film, but, like, I love the fucking characters, you know, Sans McNamara. You know, I just, like I said, And I keep saying, and I mean it, like, I have a fucking blast every time I watch this movie. I've seen this film over a dozen times in my entire life. And every single time has been just as as fun as the last. It never gets tiresome. So, you know, I've I've watched this film twice now in the last week and a half. And I'm looking forward to my third viewing with the commentary. That's, That's how much I like this movie. So, you know, that gives you an idea. Those are my pros, though. What about you?
4: Uh, my pros are is the the cast um most of the cast I should say um yeah I mean like I said when this came out I was aware of everybody who was in it and I liked stuff that they had all done but collectively I I wasn't that enthused to go see a movie with all those guys like that didn't sell me on it so um they ended up being what's so great about it. It's funny because for an action movie, there's not a ton of action, and what action there right. is isn't fantastic. It's really a character-driven movie, oddly enough.
2: Um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it really is.
4: Dude. Yeah, it, it, and that's <laughs> what I like about it. Like the, the actors are so good, and they take. Um, it's like
2: you're with them.
4: They take a a, a, a script that doesn't. You know the, the, the plot, is simple, you know, it, it, and it, and I'm, I don't mean that as a bad thing, like, it's it's a good, simple plot. Like, just they take right. a homeless guy, uh, and throw him in the woods and hunt him for sport. It's that, easy, that's, yeah, a good, easy premise. It's and got it sells. a little bit of a political thing to it. It's a you know, a commentary on, on how people view homelessness. Um,
2: yeah, it's about class, yeah, yeah, it's
4: about class. Like, so I, you know, it's it's a I don't know, smarter, but it's got a little bit more to say than your average, just standard action movie. Um
2: It's a tale of rich and poor.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that about it. Um, mm-hmm. but the cast just really just elevates the material. Um like you said, they all have a moment. Uh yeah. Actually I think they all have multiple moments. I shouldn't say oh, they yeah. all have some a, are, some more than others. Yeah, some more than others, but they all have multiple moments. There's just a fun them all together is really fun to watch so that, that's my biggest pro is is just the work that these guys put in just fantastic and and not to take away from dickerson's direction because he does some really good things directing well he does some I meant to mention things.
2: him too as a pro i, I yeah. love dickerson his, yeah. his work here is just as great as his other stuff that i'm a fan of
4: yeah, I mean, I know mostly from TV. I don't think I've ever seen another movie he's through. I never saw Juice. Um I'm you know, very Knight. aware of it. What's that? Demon Knight. Never saw Demon Knight. You've so never
2: seen Demon Knight? No.
4: Wow. So I think this is probably the only film of his that I've seen. I've seen, you know, like I said, I've seen his name pop up in a lot of shows that I've watched in the past. So, um, yeah.
2: Yeah demon knight was his follow-up after this movie um
4: i'll watch it i'll go back and watch
2: it well it's it's on the it's on the slate for this year because i want to tie that in with uh the the the, the crypt cast i was talking about starting up later right. on this year so i have yeah. it on my list i'll um, go back
4: and watch it at some point you
2: really should because that film not only you know obviously dickerson but billy zane is given off a performance that's on par with fusey in this movie oh wow it's it's great. See, um, and
4: Billy Zane's not a character uh, or an actor that I'm usually like. Oh, I got to see a movie because Billy Zane's in it. Like me and Sean used to quote
2: him. Zane in that film all the time. <laughs> it's it's worthy and everything. And and William Sad Bill Sadler is 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 like the star of the movie. Oh
4: well, he's he's not, he's like a John C. McGinley. He's always good. You know, whatever he's yeah. Doing. I always not 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 not,
2: not so intense as McGinley, but you know, he's yeah. he's just a great actor. Yeah, he exactly. He's and,
4: always good. And with Dickerson, I I always loved his work with Spike Lee, like he just
2: yeah I mean, he was a DP for yeah it, a just, while,
4: just fantastic work that those two did he together. So. Shot
2: Malcolm X a year prior to this.
4: Yeah, Malcolm X. Well, he did all the early Spike Lee movies. Uh-huh. I think everything right everything from from Previous Malcolm episode? X before that, he did all that stuff. So um yeah, he, it, he, he the guy's a good also, director.
2: Uh, um one more thing about Demon Knight. fucking. There's a, there's a role for uh dick miller Rest you know, the beast i Miller's, mean you don't have to it. i'm already dick sold
4: miller. you don't have to keep sweetening the pot i'm i'm in i can <laughs> <laughs> i'll check it out at some point
2: uh let's get through our cons uh so from a reviewer standpoint the script it's too convenient for the antagonists and i mean that like it more so, that's kind of like in reference to howard's character um just always seeming to know Mason's every move <laughs> I just feel like it's too easy um sometimes like the first time like when him and Cole collectively assume that he went back to the cabin doubles back there and they're right about that okay I can forgive that it's a great moment you, you made me realize it's cause the addition of Cole being onto it as well it's forgettable forgivable but I just feel like everything that Mason does in this movie burns is there to say oh he must be doing this he must be there he must. it's like he's a psychic or something i don't know it's it's too convenient that's the way i i i worded it so and then there's that finale that just feels you know rushed at the end of the movie it's it's a really rushed and and really oddly edited third act in in fact um everything as soon as it sounded just mason versus two on one it's like he quickly kills off uh, Derek uh, Senior, and then
4: even that scene within, sucks within, though. I, yeah, I think that starting does. Starting from there, from that, because
2: like he just suddenly just goes crazy, and it turns up being his his death blow because he just gets his neck snapped, and then yeah. from there it's like
4: and the day for night thing that you pointed out. It's just like that at that yeah. point. Not that the movie goes down because it's still watchable and entertaining throughout all right. this stuff. It just...
2: Yeah, I'm I'm not going to turn it off at this point. I mean, there's only five minutes left anyway. (laughs) Right,
4: it all happens very quickly.
2: It's so quick.
4: (laughs) But it's just, it's not as well done as the rest. The rest of the movie is actually fairly smart and well done. And, it and, takes its time. It's like, yeah. This is a
2: rushed finale. It's like, yeah. for what? Did you guys run out of money? Do yeah, ideas? Like, what do we do here? It
4: really does look like that. Like
2: I'm it, I'm curious to see if it's talked about in the commentary now that I think about it. Yeah, so. you gotta let me know. Because I, oh, final, I definitely will, man. Th- I definitely last, will.
4: Those last five minutes are just bizarre on everything. Again, with the Seattle, with the Pittsburgh in the background. It's, like, <laughs> it's just nothing but weird decisions. It, like, Brooke yeah. Rucker Howard just dis- getting just exploded off it's, laziness. it's crazy it's just a crazy yeah. ending
2: <laughs> uh it's like he's a rabbi with a fucking <laughs> rifle in his gun in his bag
4: and the woman who comes up the to old him,
2: woman like again, what the fuck
4: didn't look like a homeless person i thought it was just an old lady i'm like why is I, she in the yeah. alley it's,
2: it's like an so old lady every, he's blessing but no it turns it. out she's a bum <laughs> So yeah, those are my two pro cons for this. I, I just uh, you know, it's I don't want to hate on this movie. It's not much else to to hate on. Those are my two daily, not daily, but those are my two main gripes about this movie. How about you?
4: Yeah, mine boils down. Well, I have a couple of things um, as far as the writing. Yeah, the the and like that, I, like all the things you pointed out. I hear what you're saying, but none of that stuff bothered me. It's just that fair enough. It's it's more the characters. Um, again, the son, the Derek Jr. didn't even need to be there. Um, and then Dutton and Abraham's character, and they both give fantastic performances, but their characters are underwritten and like, they should have had a little bit more back. We got background on everybody, but the two of them, like, I really just didn't understand
2: Dutton and who else was the other person you uh, talked about? F. Murray
4: Abraham's character.
2: They told, they sort of talk about it during the dinner scene because he's a Wall Street executive, they'd say it, it, it's kind of brushed over they, yeah, they so do I mean, mention like what he does. He's a wall I don't street even broker that much.
4: yeah yeah but,
2: they, they say they, they they mention what he does, but it's it's very it's like a blink and you'll miss it or if you're not even paying attention fully it's just, like I said, it's brushed over. yeah it's like a one sentence you know thing, and that's it
4: right yeah I, I just I could have used more about their characters. Um, but it, it, that, and I think the biggest thing for me is the casting of, um, Ice-T and and McNamara. Like those two are the, I. you know, we've said it, so I don't want to beat up on them. They're, those two right. are the, it, and part of it is just how good everybody else is. Like those other guys are bringing their A games and, you know, I, I think Ice-T and McNamara just didn't have the chops to keep up, you know, unfortunately. So... I see he's
2: trying. He's, he's trying. He's got a good actor. I, I'm not taking anything away. That's from, all.
4: And, and and both him and Matt I enjoyed watching them. So they're in the movie. It is what it is. I enjoy both of them. What they do. Matt the gets on
2: my fucking nerves personally. Well, yeah, but
4: that's <laughs> part of what I enjoy. It's like, neither here nor there. It's part <laughs> of what I um what I find fun about is it. just it's like uh you know picking at a scab kind of thing. Um, but I, I think if they. Especially the Ice T role, if they put a like a good actor—no offense, Ice T—but um, somebody to bounce off those other guys, it could have, it, it would have been like almost a five-star movie for me. I think that's the missing link—is that the protagonist just needs to be a stronger actor. Um, yeah, that, that, those are my cons. That's something else to say, but I lost track of what it was.
2: All right, let's get to our Mulligan moments.
3: If you had to do it all over again would you make the same choices
2: you know you, you give me the power to change one thing about this film I would tweak the script to make Burns less of a telekinetic villain who always seems to know about Mason's every move I know I'm reaching for that but like I don't know I i guess it didn't really bug me that much that I'm also putting it as my mulligan moment like yeah I don't know <laughs> I mentioned that a lot in this episode. It really annoys I,
4: you. It's funny.
6: I don't know
2: why it does. Now like, that I'm talking about it with you, I don't know why it's so annoying like, to me, like, whatever, but I guess but it really did while I was shit. watching this. Because that's what I put as on volume moment. movement. I totally <laughs> forgot about that shit. So, yeah, that's what I would do. How about you?
4: Um, Like, recasting those two roles. If they can do yeah. that, um, and keep everything else exactly the same. Um. Th- like the action could maybe be kicked up a notch but I don't know that didn't really again I think the action is secondary it's not even I agree it's not even like it's a lot of bad action it's just very little action in the movie um,
2: it's like you said a character driven yeah it's a character driven you know, movie so action thriller
4: I don't even care if they did the action better the more I think mm-hmm. about it it's really having those those two roles be performed better would, would have got, make taken the movie much farther than gnarly action scenes
2: who who would you uh, cast as a uh, um, Mason if you not for? I'll, t- I'll tell you
4: what, Omar you Epps good? Dickerson should have worked with him. Maybe he wasn't available, but yeah, I, th- I think Omar Epps could have been really good in that role.
2: I see it. Yeah, yeah. It, it would make sense. Juice. Yeah, yeah, and that's for good. that's good,
4: Derek Jr. Um.
2: Just eliminate the character altogether. Yeah, that would, I,
4: that would be the ideal. Just write that character out. But if they yeah, wanted to we give, you don't need
2: that character. But
4: if they wanted to give the arc He's a drag. Say, I say keep him in, but then that forces you to go back and give F. Murray Abraham's character a little bit more meat on the bones, which is what I want anyway. So I would keep Derek and then just work on that relationship a little bit and, and get into a little bit more of F. Murray Abraham's background. Um... So then, Derek Jr. Like who was a, a heartthrob that I liked at that time? Sort of a B movie, like Luke Perry might have been a movie t-
2: like 93 Luke, 94. Luke Perry
4: was probably too big at the time because that's why I, I keep going back to him. Like Luke Perry,
2: Ethan Hawke, maybe.
4: I think he, I don't think Ethan Hawke would do a movie like this. I, I, I'm going Luke Perry. Luke Perry in that role. Luke I Perry, would've, okay, would have been more effective. And flesh out the the relationship between him and, and Abraham. And just give us a better understanding of what's going on there. Like, he's he's obviously trying to make a man out of his son. But explore that a little bit. I think it could have been interesting.
2: All right. Let's get to our finger looking good.
0: It's finger licking good.
2: Favorite parts of the film. So, my answer, it, it's the start of the hunt the obvious answer is the prince henry stout moment but for me it's always been mason's wake up call and how everything (laughs) seems to hit him immediately it's so intense and well it's well i love the performance of like the the barrel of the gun staring you right in the face (laughs) i just love how much it's in your face and relentless and like it's a moment that like i remember when i first watched this movie I just remember just being like, holy shit.
4: Like, just, <laughs> they just get to it. Like,
2: what a fucking rush, dude. Yeah. The way he's like woken up with that fucking gun, and, and the way, like, like I said, uh, Boyan just r- fucking has the camera like right at the barrel. It's like it's pointed <laughs> at you and the audience member. It's, it's wild. So, I, I, that's my moment of, of, uh, my favorite moment of this movie, really. Um, and again, I, I love the monologue. Nothing against Busey and that performance. That Those three minutes are fucking phenomenal. They'll always be there. They're what the film is most commonly known for or known about as. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the, the, the start of the hunt though. The kickoff is my favorite moment. How about you, man?
4: I'm glad we didn't both pick the same things I thought we were going to. So um, yeah, that, that kickoff of the hunt is a probably my second favorite scene. That's a really good scene. Um, yeah. and it's the first time you see Dutton's character being the bad guy. Like he's, he's super nice up until this point. Yeah, I know. He, and then like he like, a... fle- he just turns on a dime and he's like, an whole asshole, opposite. <laughs> it's, it's great. So, uh, and, and like, it's the first time I think I've ever seen Charles as Dutton in that kind of role. I'm used to still being, you know, rock. You, and...
2: you don't know me motherfucker. You're going to die today.
4: Oh man. Like it, it was so good. So, um, yeah, that is a good scene, but my favorite is the monologue. Um, yeah, it was the moment where I kind of stopped laughing at the movie and started to go, "Hey, wait a minute, this might, unless it's only this part, but this might actually turn out to be a really good movie if if the whole rest of it maintains this tone, um, which it does for the most part. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that that's where I, I like I just realized. I was having fun with it up until that point, but then I got serious like I kind of sat up and was like, Oh, wait a minute, I need to like maybe look it's at a this." It's a movie that
2: comes way. out of nowhere. It comes it's out of no nowhere. No one saw this scene coming or right. even it happening. Com-
4: and and that's the thing, like it, it immediately elevates the movie. And luckily the movie because I've seen a ton of movies where it's like um either like there's a great opening scene or there's a little bit of a lull and then the movie gets really interesting all of a sudden and then it just falls off a fucking cliff. So the fact that like this scene like made me perk up and then I stayed perked up for the rest of the movie, um, Mm -hmm. it it was, that was shocking to me because I did not expect that experience going into this, but it, it, you know, this scene is where it really started. It's just, it's fantastic. Um, I I don't know how it's not talked about. (laughs) Like it's completely been memory hold, which is crazy to me.
2: More people should be talking about this goddamn moment. Yeah. Uh, Which leads us to our movie MVPs.
4: All right. Now, you might think I'm a little biased, but I take my job as a presenter very seriously. I will show no favoritism. I am here to honor excellence. And the most valuable player is...
2: That's a good segue because my MVP is Gary Busey. (laughs) He delivers such, like I've been saying, we've been saying collectively, a brilliant and energetic performance in the 10 to 15 minutes that we get of the doc character. I, I really like everyone's performances, like, well, I, but except for Wayne and Derek Jr. But Doc's the highlight of this film. He's the MVP. He's just awesome for the, the moments we do get with him. Like this is this is like. I know I mentioned earlier how like you know we, we're getting these people like after their prime. I would argue that this is prime busy. He's still in his prime, and <laughs> in, in this film, he's so good. Like I said before, like you got this. You've got Silver Bullet Those are my two fucking jams when it comes to that man So Take it as you will for those reasons He is my MVP
4: Yeah I was going to pick him too And that's the obvious choice And, and right. he is the MVP But since you picked him I'll put a vote in for um Collectively for Dutton, Abraham and McGinley um, There you go and the reason, again, just to mix it up so we're not both saying Busey, which is the obvious answer, but right. they, they were in it longer. So they had more more opportunities to kind of mm-hmm. get little moments in. So, um, yeah, they're they're just as if, you know, it, it, I would say if this is a movie you're not interested in seeing, see it just for Gary Busey's monologue, see it for his whole performance, but especially that monologue but I can make the same argument about the other three guys and be like see it for them because they're fucking great in it too so I'll, I'll give it to them just so we can give everybody a shout out essentially
2: We're just simply Google Gary Busey surviving the game monologue yeah, if you I got wonder, five minutes to kill queue it up and that gives you all the reason you need to watch this movie
4: I wonder how it works out of context like I, I'm sure it's good either way but like in the context because like you said, it just fucking comes out of nowhere, man. It's yeah, like, it does. Like, you're just thinking, I mean, this movie stars Ice-T, for Christ's sake. So you're just expecting, like, a silly, like I said, the reason like I never direct saw direct the video it, schlock. direct the video schlock. And the fact that up until this point, it's bordering on that. It's not exactly there, but it's tiptoeing on the line. And then this fucking monologue just comes out of left field. And you're like, I mean, this whole <laughs> dinner scene's great. And the monologue yeah. is kind of, like, towards the end of the dinner scene. Um, but, like, the dinner scene is where you, you kind of start to, to settle in a little bit dinner with the scene characters. Is smart. It's yeah, a lot it's a, smarter
2: than I remember it being.
4: Yeah, it imparts a lot of good information.
5: Um,
4: yeah. and But then it just gets to that fucking monologue, and the whole thing is so next level. It's just like, whoa. So it's really, I would recommend just watching it in context, because it really does, like, you feel the movie shift at that moment.
5: Alright, well
2: before we wrap things up, put a nice little bow on things, we're gonna get physical for a moment in the form of... Physical Media! Alright, so Surviving the Game was initially released on both VHS and Laserdisc, both on September 28th, and 1994. From New Line Cinema, Columbia TriStar, Home Video, and Image Entertainment. Uh, from then, it got a DVD release initially on December 21st of 1999 from New Line Home Video. Uh, video, And then it got a DVD re-release, rather, excuse me, uh, on October 11th, 2016 from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. So it sounds like just the rights swapped over after Warner Brothers bought out New Line or merged, um... That's probably what that's referring to. Um, I wouldn't know because I've never owned it on D. I had it on the original, the initial snapback uh, that New Line put out that I mentioned. Um, Christ, I forgot what happened to that. I think I left that Sean's place years back and haven't seen it since. But anywho, it finally got a Blu-ray release just last month, honestly. November 7th, or two months ago. November 7th. 2023 from Shout Factory, which, like I said before, includes a brand new commentary track from director Ernest Dickerson, which I will get to sooner than later and just kind of update you on. Hopefully, they talk about that abrupt ending. <laughs> Other than that, that's it. Uh, every now and then you can check this out when uh, YouTube movies for free. They have you it said on that, there.
4: That one you have is the, the Blu ray with the commentary? Uh huh. It's not 4K, is it?
2: no okay right.
4: you have to let me borrow that when you're done with it then yeah, so i can because sure. i want to see that commentary or hear that commentary yeah, yeah definitely too.
2: definitely and it looks great too because it's like the, for the first time the film has been released or uh remastered in, in hd proud of that it was never you know it was just standard sd one dvd and uh because actually the the copy i have on voodoo is an sd copy it's not in hd
4: I like that the was look a, of it though. It, it has that 90s. It doesn't look bad. Yeah, it no, has no, no, no. that 90s action movie look. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the look.
2: So, yeah, that's that. And now we are going to wrap things up. It's time for our final effect rating. How would you rate this one, Miles? And double feature pairings. Yeah, we made a great pair. All right, here we go. Four stars. Like I keep on repeating, this movie is a ton of fun. It doesn't fuck around, cuts right to the chase delivers the goods and the action entertainment departments and all in all provides me with realistically everything i need that goes into a fun time watching the movie the fact that new line was able to secure a cast of this magnitude is another reason i love this so much i think the i think the editing is fine it's got parts that we've talked about where it's questionable but them being able to keep the pacing is what i'm referring to is just something that i appreciate because i just like that tight 90 minute runtime that this has it's an Ernest Dickerson film and I've always had a ton of love and respect for that man both behind the scenes as well as behind the lens all in all it's a very thrilling and entertaining roller coaster ride from the mid 90s era that I've always had you know all the love and respect in the world for held by a collection of very talented filmmakers brought to us by some very best some of the very best actors who were even though past their prime, I I still appreciate the fact that they were able to get a a cast of this caliber. And they're they're all, you know, all... They're giving off their performances. They're they're doing their thing. And it's it's a fun thing to watch on screen here. So, so much. Um, So many reasons why I love this movie. Um, Anyway... To pair this up, there's an abundance of similar films you can pair this thing up with that are based on the most dangerous game novel or short story. But if you really want to have yourself a good time, then pair this baby up with Judgment Night, which we recently covered here on the podcast. Yeah, I had that thought too. Same period, similar urban influence. They're just two films I've always personally loved and had a blast watching, and they were only like released six, month- six months apart from one another. Um, so why not pair them up for the ultimate double feature if it's a Friday night 96 or 97 and you know me and the boys are going to make it a blockbuster night you come back with judgment night and surviving the game then it is fucking on <laughs> fucking on so there there you have it you're up buddy.
4: I've never seen judgment night oddly dude, enough dude that mmm. Same reason I didn't. The same reason I didn't watch this. I just thought it looked mid, so I never. Great soundtrack. Like I've always. I've oh, listened yeah. to the soundtrack from day one, but like, I just never thought it looked like an interesting movie, so I never watched it. But after this, I might have to. But I Dude, had to collectively.
2: They, collectively, these two films are so fun together. Like I, yeah, they're they're equally as fun yeah, as, I, as the other.
4: I had without even having seen Judgment Night, I thought of that. I'm like, oh, I bet you that would pair up good with this. Hell um, yeah. They, they just seem similar. And now mine seems so fucking lame by comparison. Because at first I was going to do Turkey Shoot. Like that was the movie that immediately leapt to mind as I was watching Yeah, it makes it. sense. Um, but then I ended up doing it in my, my top five. So then I was like, all right, I got to think of something else. And this was already stretching it to begin with. But yours seemed so perfect that now mine seems even more lame. But I'm going to stick with it. Because um, I have a reason. So yeah. I would say this paired up with Bone Tomahawk my reason
2: yeah i can see it no no no, i can see it for real
4: my reason especially the cave scene (laughs) what's that
2: especially the cave scene
4: well i I was thinking of everything but the cave scene because okay my my thinking on it is that it's a movie with not a ton of action for a a while anyway and it's just carried by these character character actors just doing fucking beautiful work uh richard jenkins and Matthew Fox, who's somebody I'd never had an opinion about one way or the other until I saw that. Like, Kurt Russell, you know, it's just, it's David Arquette in a small role. It's just, like, these guys just doing fantastic fucking work, uh, bouncing off of one another, just, you know, immensely watchable, um, which was the same vibe I had with this watch it was watching those character actors bounce off of one another and do their thing. So um yeah I'm, I'm glad you, you can see it and I'm not going out on too far of a limb. Oh did I wait a minute did I get my star I didn't get my stars yet did I oh so, no you didn't shit <laughs> so um so yeah I mean this was a movie I never had a desire to see. Um and you like were pimping it so hard for the i know i really month.
2: was looking back on it in hindsight
4: and i'm like what the f-? i was like are we talking about like castle <laughs> or the godfather like we're talking about surviving the game right like what is going- am i missing something so um i was like in my voodoo situation like i didn't have voodoo hooked up on my tv so i was like i, I you know but which is the easiest thing to do i was just being fucking lazy <laughs> and, um, so Friday night, I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna hook it up and watch this movie." Like, when did it, you
2: fuck, what did you text us in the in the I group chat? I took a picture
4: of the um the home screen with, with you know surviving the game, and I was like, "This better be the best fucking movie ever." Yeah, <laughs> and and you know it, it's not the best movie ever, but it was fucking.
2: You had a fun time watching oh my that God, Friday night. I had night. a
4: blast, and I've watched it twice. I watched it Friday night, and then Hell I watched yeah. it again yesterday morning. I was like. I need because I didn't take notes Friday. I was like, I'm not even going to bother with taking notes on this thing. And then once I got into it, it was like I didn't want to take notes because I was just into watching. I didn't want to so like, pause or anything like that. Right. So, um, you know, I went back and watched it just again. Take just, it in. Yeah. When I took it in that first time and then I went back Saturday morning, I did want to watch it again. I was like, make sure that I really did like enjoy <laughs> it as much as I thought I did. And, um, and and then take a few notes on it. So yeah, that that was my experience going into it. Just blown away by how much I liked it. I can't quite get to a four, maybe on repeat viewings, but uh, half a star off for the script. Just could have used more characterization and a half a star off each for Ice-T and, and McNamara. Um, so three three and a, a half. Three and a half, three and a
2: half. All right, I dig it. That's good. That's good. All right, well, that's going to do it for our breakdown on the 1994 action classic, Surviving the Game, a film you can bet your ass is getting the film effects seal of approval. One down, many more to follow. If this was your first time with us, then welcome, and hopefully you become a fan and plan on returning for future episodes. Let us know what you thought of our Surviving the Game episode by leaving a positive rating or honest review over on either apple or spotify you can also leave your feedback on our facebook page or by sending us an email to film effect pod at gmail.com speaking of facebook make sure you're on the up and up by following us on social media film effect pod on twitter or x the film effect podcast everywhere else and i'd like to take this time to thank my co-host justin for joining me on this episode
4: yeah man thanks for bullying me into watching this movie yeah.
2: Like, I'm, I'm glad you did I'm glad <laughs> I'm fucking glad You enjoyed it Jesus yeah. Christ
4: I was gonna Talk pull about, Like you know, It was funny Because when you texted You're like I'm pulling a Sean And you're gonna enjoy How did you play it
2: Yeah I'm pulling the Sean On this fucking movie The way he used to With movies
4: Like you're gonna enjoy Watching Buddy Holly, Buddy Holly Rock and uh, You know Dr. Cox Hunt Ice Team Whatever it is So I was yeah. like I fully went in expecting to hate this, and I was going to pull Sean back, like, on the long Kiss Goodnight episode. I was going to talk you into hating <laughs> the movie, Was my plan going into it. Um, that was so,
2: a classic.
4: The fact that I enjoyed it so much totally upended my plan.
2: Oh, it's so great. It's funny as <laughs> shit. Uh, so uh, we have a barrage of rock solid content coming up including next week when me and Corey finally give the much talked about speaking of talked about films *Child's Play* to Play 2 our patented film effect treatment once again thanks again for listening and a huge shout out to everyone who continues to support us and to everyone who's been with us since episode 1 we sincerely thank each and every one of you and cannot wait to see what all 2024 has up its sleeve and until next time I'm Ed I'm Justin this has been another episode of the Thumb Effect Podcast.
3: Bring us home, Sean. All right, gang. We're going to see you all again next time when those theater lights go dim and the opening credits begin to roll.
0: Surviving the game! Surviving the game! Surviving the game! Surviving the game. from death
1: excuse me father god bless you child could you spare a little change i'm homeless Get lost stupid asshole